0: found this really the a24 site yeah
1: they They got some they got some good stuff some of it's like a little expensive that's why like they have a long sleeve shirt that's like 75 bucks or some shit yeah it's kind of it's kind of crazy like i've gotten some stuff from there but it's only been like hats and mm t-shirts that were like 30 bucks which is still like kind of pricey but like nothing i can't like you know afford or anything
0: well that's what i was looking at and i was like i almost pulled the trigger and then i started going through my head on well you know doing this that and the other next thing i know it's 200 so my christmas gift to everyone is me uh well and, that's the
1: best christmas gift of all yeah
0: jolly and cheerful well hopefully we'll find out how this episode goes
1: uh yeah we'll we'll see uh you're pretty jolly you're pretty cheerful you yeah. know yeah yeah Unless, uh, you know, it comes to someone having a heart attack during a football game, then the the cheeriness goes down.
0: I, I uplift spirits at that point. Yeah. So it might not be jolly nor cheerful, but it's uplifting nonetheless.
1: Yeah, you, you bring the, the good Christmas vibes. Yeah. Uh, that's for sure. A hundred percent. Yeah, so I guess I'll intro and uh, bear with me for a second. I'm going to try my best here. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Let's see what one you go with. <laughs> Uh,
1: why have you forsaken me that's pretty close Ooh. Uh it's the same scene okay uh it's the and i probably butchered the fuck out of that uh but it's where he says forgive them father they know not what they do yes uh nice. which is uh you know uh, jesus christ yeah. probably the most important person ever uh, being quoted at the start of our episode, so yeah, that's a good sign. This is
0: Kyle's best impersonation of God.
1: That's my impersonation of someone speaking Aramaic? Aramaic? I, think, I think that's what it was. Yeah, I, I believe so. I looked up, you know, anything I could scrape together to hopefully put that in a sentence and then butcher the fuck out of it with Terrible pronunciation on my part.
0: I am sure there'll probably be a couple people nodding in appreciation.
1: Yeah. I, I tried to go for the authenticness, you know, much like Mel Gibson did when making the movie. You could
0: have went with that or with the uh, Finish you know, that's not Santa Claus.
1: I thought about going with uh rare exports, but yeah. you know I feel like this is gonna be a very I feel like passion might invoke a lot of discussion.
0: <laughs> There's possibly maybe a
1: bit more than rare exports, yeah. but I guess we'll we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, so, uh, thank you guys for catching the 61st episode of the Neon Crew podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm Mac. And, uh, we're here to bring you a special Christmas edition of our show, our podcast. Uh, yeah. When this episode is out, it'll be, uh, December 24th, my birthday.
0: Someone's birth- Oh.
1: I already spoiled it. Kyle's birthday. Yeah. Uh, I'll be 29, which is- terrifying uh i'm not ready for that in any way All Right. wait till you're 89 yeah i i don't know if i can <laughs> be closer to jesus than ever yeah right each each day i'm closer to jesus that's a sign for uh for something so uh i got a little bit of news okay. i don't necessarily want to talk about it too long because i have another thing that i want to discuss before we get into our Ooh. uh our movies but um this is uh this is something that happened today uh jonathan majors was found guilty of uh third degree assault and (laughs) harassment of his former girlfriend and uh not only was he found guilty of those charges of which we don't know if he's going to serve time if he's going to serve time at all uh he was also like a half hour ago Uh, It was reported that he was dropped from the MCU from playing his part as Kang the Conqueror. So I feel like I have to mention this because it's a big movie thing. It's a pretty big deal, uh, especially considering the MCU and how they'll have to recast him. But uh, man, what a fucking fall from grace. This dude had it made. He had such a good career lined up for himself this year. And yeah. he completely fucked it up in a in a moment of of rage and uncontrollable anger.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Not much to. I remember when it first hit, and you know, I'm I'm a innocent until proven guilty guy. I like to have the conspiracy theories out there on what what could be happening and, and events that maybe happened or didn't happen that you never really know about. But I, I wait till judgments been made. So. I mean, it's just, it's... You can't be that dumb. That's, I think, that's... Yeah. I feel (laughs) like if I were in his position, I would be
1: the most careful not to fuck up my life that way. Because making a shit ton of money, you're in all these notable movies, you're getting leading man status, basically. And then you just are a piece of shit and people find out about it, and now it's all fucked up for you. Like...
0: Yeah. It's... But that's kind of crazy usually those are that's why i always hold off i'm like normally that's stuff that's been going on Mm -hmm. like i don't think you get caught on the one time you beat your girlfriend up you know not to say it's right or wrong and what it's definitely wrong but point being is that i feel like that this has probably been more it's not an isolated event so it's good that it happened they caught him i mean he's got to serve what he's got to serve so if he serves i i doubt it well like, there's people who
1: because who, he's this will be technically like a first time offense for him and also he's super fucking rich
0: well that's what i'm saying i mean he'll pay his he, but he's done with acting like there no one's gonna touch him now
1: yeah and if he ever acts it's gonna be in like straight to dvd garbage like steven seagal puts out probably did
0: that ever happen to seagal too uh no he's
1: just fucking lame <laughs> Oh
0: <laughs> sorry to associate you with Jonathan Major, Steven. Well nobody um, wants to
1: associate with Steven Seagal because he's like a pro Russian guy yeah. who like who says like, oh Putin's not that bad of a guy. I've met him a bunch of times and he like he's kind of an asshole to work with. He yeah. never wants to do scenes where he's like actually doing action scenes. He's just sitting down the entire time. Yeah, that his was more of like a gradual like oh people are finding out i'm De- a piece of descension. shit yeah. yeah jonathan majors was kind of like smacking into a brick wall you know
0: yeah i mean that hopefully no pun intended um Ooh, yeah yeah no Ouch. i mean it's it's a it's what it is i mean the guy he's getting what he gets and you know um it's kind of i find it humorous with not the situation but mcu with what's going on now because now they've got a pivot and they've been kind of living in the limelight of producing like subpar films recently (laughs) outside of like guardians that's one way
1: to put it living in the limelight (laughs) but you're not wrong
0: i mean it's true like they, they you know every i think people you get to a certain point where you just get lazy with what's going on and because you monopolized uh the the MCU with the superheroes. It's hard for anyone to touch that to get creative rights on anything else. Yeah. Everything that gets produced. Especially
1: when you're Disney and you're buying Fox, so now you have all those properties.
0: That's what... You know, so they're they're cornering the market with the superheroes, and all of a sudden, you're having this big blow that's coming their way with... And I, who's to say what they do, but... Um, I think that this is one of the events that get to take place that kind of knock them off their throne a little bit. It's unfortunate that the DCU sucks. So, you know, I I don't know where they're going to go and what they're going to do. They're probably just going to sweep this under the rug and never discuss it again. Well, they'll
1: probably... uh, They're in, you know... You say, like, the, the limelight of shit, basically. But they are in an interesting position where the character that he was playing is like a multi universal being. So they could easily just recast him and say, like, oh, I changed my I'm a different kang. I look different, you know? Yeah. And and that would be the end of it. But uh yeah, it is it is kind of like one of those things where like, oh maybe you know one one of the straws that's gonna break the the camel's back of the MCU.
0: My yeah, and I guess yeah, they can do that, but you know, my whole point is like uh you got you know Stan Lee hops into all those films, and everyone gasps and goes, "Oh, that's Stan Lee!" You know they're gonna anytime they had a whole whatever you want to call it timeline set up with with Kong, mm-hmm. everyone's gonna go, "Oh, that was Jonathan Majors." Do you remember what happened? Like yeah. it, it just it's a it's an interesting spot for them to be in, and they it's not like they had you know two sequels built up where it's like, "Hey, we thought we could make this a franchise." I mean, if you remember, Thanos was in what eight nine of those films before mm. they actually got to uh, infinity war yeah so i mean like they've they've got a and god knows if they have to wait two years now for this thing to settle so that there's no association with majors in mcu it's just it's very fascinating that this happens of this magnitude because i think you We've probably seen it happen with some franchises that were getting ready to get built out, like maybe Dumbledore and Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't like that guy did a, you know, rail a coke off a prostitute and got in trouble. I mean, I think Dumbledore passed away, so they had to flip Dumbledore.
1: Yeah, they just had to recast him because the actor died.
0: Yeah, and it's like, you know, it's tough, but hey, this is what happens and there's some grace there.
1: Well, like, and the MCU isn't a stranger to recasting at all. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, look at Terrence Howard. Granted, this was like before the MCU really took off as and like a huge You're talking universe. like a
0: like a supplementary role. True. <laughs> like this yeah. isn't like this is the face of the villain that we're putting out there that's gonna be in right. every movie going. He was forward. supposed to
1: be Thanos in this next phase of whatever multiverse bullshit they were cooking up for right. us. But uh yeah. I, I mean we'll see where it goes from here. Uh it certainly doesn't help that movies like The Marvels is doing poorly also,
0: just in terms of box
1: office. Dude, they've gotten lazy there's bottom. nothing
0: they lost their visionary guy they're trying to just replicate exactly what he did and they're in a really good spot where there's no competition so they're getting lazy and the producers are probably taking over all of the creative liberties that you know like was um what was his name um that came out with the timeline the you know the um josh whedon
1: oh are you talking about kevin feige Yeah, yeah. He's the
0: one that did... He had the whole vision and he probably had like, hey, this is what we need to have outside of that, have fun with it. Mm -hmm. And now the producers are getting into it and they're trying to say, hey, we've got to really market this along with our, you know, whatever sales that are going on outside of here with our ancillary product line going on and we got to make sure that we're doing this, that. And you just see probably a lot of people checked out making these films because they have no say in it whatsoever. And there's really like no... Probably lean on, hey, you're the strongest person in the universe. You're just going to go against someone and they're going to find a very little weakness that you have. And we got to string it out for two hours and you'll overcome it and save the. Well, we're getting past universes. Now you're going to save the whole whatever the fuck it is. You're going to save the multiverse. Yeah. Baby. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Uh,
1: Speaking of multiverses, uh, there's one more thing I want to touch on before we get into the movie discussions. Okay. Uh, You know, it being the end of the year, I figured it might be kind of fun if we talk about some upcoming 2024 movies we're looking forward to seeing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we can't. I think this will be more of your brunt of the show.
1: I've got a page pulled up that has a list of films. So I You can give like me go what through. you're excited
0: I'll give you a yay or nay on it.
1: Okay. I'll just give you what I'm looking forward to then. Okay. Uh, so scrolling through this immediately, Dune Part 2, which would have come out this year had it not been delayed. Thank you, uh, actors and writers' strikes for that, um, even though I know it was a good thing and I'm glad you got the deals that you got. Uh, there is uh, Mickey 17, which I'm really looking forward to, uh, directed by Bong Joon-ho. And it's going to have Robert Pattinson, Mark Ruffalo, and Stephen Yeun in it. And it's a sci-fi film. Ooh. So I'm looking forward to that because I it's really like Parasite. Yes. Uh, how you feeling about, uh, and I'm only asking you this because I know you've seen more of the movies than I have. Uh, Godzilla X Kong, The New Empire.
0: Nay, that looks so trash. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that is, uh... I haven't
1: seen anything about it except for a poster.
0: I saw, a tr- I saw the trailer for it, okay. and it's almost like a buddy cop film, except it's Godzilla and Kong. Interesting. Yeah, it's really, they're watering which down Which one's these... the
1: uptight one, and then which one's the, like, Daredevil one?
0: I'm gonna guess uptight one's Godzilla, and Daredevil's more Kong. Kong yeah. kind of feels like he has a little bit more leeway with his agility.
1: Kong, yeah, yeah. Godzilla would be, like, the older one, so he'd, oh, yeah. he'd be, like, too old for this shit. Yeah, hey, hey, thing.
0: don't, you're moving too fast for me, buddy. <laughs> I wanna see
1: so I wanna see like a big budget CGI action flick of those two as buddy cop movies, except I want them to put sunglasses on King Kong <laughs> and like a an ill-fitting tie on Godzilla. Yes. And like was, have it be like play it super seriously, but just like have them wear those. He's the gotta walk time.
0: through so yeah. I don't know how Kong gets the glasses. He's gotta take out like a you know a thrift store or something like that yeah it's he got just like he the, pulls it
1: off of like a statue or something yeah you know that's the thing Vegas. of the ducks
0: and donuts and then godzilla runs through a banner like a really big banner and it mm-hmm. gets kind of tangled up in it so it's like a banner just draped down but they make it look like a tie but
1: yeah it's like in the shape of a tie yeah yeah, yeah. they should hire us to write oh my god this fucking I'm movie telling
0: you we'd probably make just as much money yeah Godzilla X Kong on the run is what it should be called. <laughs> was, honestly, if you didn't say what it should be called, I would have been like, yeah, it's a fitting title for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's the film Challengers, which
1: looks at the very least interesting. I'm sure you've seen images of it. It's the one where Zendaya sitting on the bed with the two dudes.
0: Oh, yeah. They had uh, that got me the shit out of
1: on Twitter. Yeah. People are uh, are teasing our, our tomboy over that. that. They're it, like,
0: how how could you let Zendaya be in this movie? It looks I saw a trailer for it. It looks somewhat interesting. It just depends on the tone they take with it. Right. You know? It's I, directed by Luca Guadagnino, who did uh Call Me By Your Name. A movie yeah. that I have not seen. Yeah, I might be. It's a, it's a little too melodramatic. I haven't seen that either, but I've heard about it. It's a little it's melodramatic.
1: Yeah, I'm probably going to check it out eventually, because I've heard really good things about Call Me By Your Name. But uh, that will be interesting also, Challengers. This one I'm kind of really looking forward to from a filmmaker that I'm not like a huge fan of, but all of his movies I've at least enjoyed on some level, uh, except for maybe men. And that's Alex Garland's Civil War.
0: About the Civil War?
1: No, it's so... It's a modern setting, but it's if the United States went into a civil war. In, oh, right, in, right in now, to, yeah, in today's world, that, that's fun. Uh, that's a yay
0: for me for sure.
1: I saw the trailer, and it's very, it's like, it's a lot more grand than a lot of Alex Garland's movies are usually. Who
0: produced it?
1: Does it say? It doesn't say on this website who produced it.
0: If it's A twenty four or it is A twenty four. Oh, is it? Yes, Good. I, know, I, I know that. Okay, because I. I read about Blumhouse and their um, kind of business model. Yeah. And I think A24 is of the same ilk. And I I say that, but I also feel like A24 is drifting into a little bit more of the money and the marketing. The They've
1: money. announced that they're going to start taking on like more higher production projects.
0: Yeah. And I don't know if that's because they got the, the clearance now with the name or if they just are like, we do really well with these bigger films, with the marketing that we have to pour into it. And yeah. So, but I like Alex Garland, and that sounds fun.
1: I'm looking forward to that one. It's got Kirsten Dunst, uh, Nick Offerman <laughs> plays the president, and then Jesse Plemons is also in it. I don't really? think he's like a main character, but yeah, he's, he's in the trailer. Still in
0: uh, Kirsten... He's still in
1: it. He 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 played. You should watch the trailer. Is I'll, I'll I will.
0: I'll check out the trailer because I think that's up my alley.
1: Yeah, uh, the Fall Guy looks interesting from uh, David Leitch. It's got Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt, where he plays like a Hollywood stuntman. It oh. gets like wrapped up in an actual action scenario. Nice. So that'll be fun. That seems interesting. David I Leech, guess
0: it's He's uh, based
1: off an '80s show or something, where like a stuntman moonlights as a bounty hunter. Now okay. he
0: wasn't. He was he a st- stuntman before? He, he's not the John Wick. He, is he
1: helped direct the first film. Yes, with that's Chad Stahelski. Yeah, and Stahelski was
0: a stunt
1: guy, right? Stahelski was Keanu's stunt guy on the Matrix. Got it. Uh, and. David Leach also directed Atomic Blonde, Deadpool 2, yeah, so uh, Bullet Train.
0: This is all right up. That's the one I was thinking of. I Stahelski and Leach, I get mixed up a little bit. Yeah. Bullet Train was fun.
1: Uh, not my favorite movie. I mm-hmm. had my issues with it, but it's a it's a it's a cheeky time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, If it's uh looks like a live action mixed with animation movie directed by John Krasinski. Okay. It's like a, an imaginary friend sort of movie,
0: it uh, looks like. Not bad. He, he did The Quiet Places, so I got more grace with him on um, his films. He's got some pull. Yeah.
1: Uh, Furiosa.
0: Yeah, that one looked interesting too. That's the Mad Max. That's Furiosa from Mad Max Fury Road, right?
1: Yep. So it's called Furiosa, a Mad Max Saga, directed by George Miller and uh, with Anya Taylor Joy.
0: Yeah. Hemsworth. Yep. Yeah. It's funny because... Did you watch the trailer? I think I saw bits and pieces of it. And it reminded me a lot of Mad Max. Yeah. Um, just, you know, now they're taking on her story. So, he, hey, Fury Road was awesome. So, I mean, that's that. When uh, when
1: I watched that trailer... And uh, I agree, Fury Road is great. I need to rewatch it. Um, When I watched that trailer and Chris Hemsworth popped up, I didn't think it was him. Because they give him, like, some weird prosthetic nose thing. Yes. That makes him look really different and i thought that guy kind of looks like chris hemsworth not even the thought that that was chris hemsworth I, and then his name popped up i'm like oh shit it's actually
0: him they they did the yeah i watched it i watched some of the trailer uh and then they the name popped up and i was like what so i did i went back and i saw the still image i was like oh yeah i, I see it now but yeah no they did a good job of
1: brain was playing tricks on me they did a good job of making him look different though yeah you're right about that uh yeah. Some people were giving it shit because I guess there's more what looks like CGI shots in the trailer. Which I mean, if you've read about the fucking production of Fury Road, mm-hmm. you'll understand why Warner Brothers doesn't want to go through that hell again, you know?
0: Is there a lot of like insurance claims?
1: Uh it was just a lot of like it I think uh who was it? I think Steven Soderbergh who was on set for like a day or two said that it's a wonder how more, like, how people just didn't die yes, every day that's of that what... set. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure that they want to play it a little more safe. I think, which people I mean, will if the CGI doesn't look bad, then I'm not going to, like, fault them.
0: Yeah. I, didn't, I don't think that was the main draw on the first one, that there was, like, a lot less of it or. Was it zero or just not a whole lot of CGI? Uh,
1: I think they said that most everything was practical. Yes. Like 99.9% of
0: Of it. Of the stunts and all that stuff, right? Not like the sets or the, you know. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. And I don't, like I said, I don't think that was the draw or the Mm. phenomenon of what was going on. Right. Uh,
1: There's Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. So that'll be kind of interesting. I saw
0: that when I saw Godzilla Minus One. Um, I
1: kind of like the trailer for that. It doesn't feel like it gives too much away. And it it sets the vibes of what the movie's going to be. Yeah. So I kind of like the trailer, just on its own.
0: I got... got, Yeah. I don't have an issue with them. That one, to me, is lukewarm. I mean, I'll probably see it when it comes out to max or whatever.
1: Yeah. The only interesting thing about that is that it's directed by Wes Ball, who I guess did the Maze Runner movies. So that'll be interesting. But who knows? Maybe it'll turn out uh better than we think it might there's ballerina which is the john wick spinoff uh Mm, that's following i'm sure that's yeah day armis uh i guess she plays like a ballerina character from the third movie yeah
0: yeah when he was going
1: through and yeah he's like going through the theater yeah angelica houston's there and uh, i guess it takes place between chapter three and chapter four and keanu reeves is going to be in it nice so That'll be interesting. The only thing that really worries me is that it's being directed by Len Wiseman, who directed the Underworld movies. So I'm kind of <laughs> kind of worried about that. Phil Nighy. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, uh, there's... Are you looking forward to Bad Boys 4 at all? No. The only thing interesting about that is that uh, Ray Seahorn is going to be in it. Kim Wexler from Better Call Saul. Oh. Yeah. She'll probably play like some hard-ass detective lady or something. Uh, there's Inside Out two. Mm-hmm. That's we can move on. Uh, <laughs> there's the bike riders. Austin Butler. I I'm, I'm I that curious. could go either way for me. Yes, that same. could go either way. I'm a little hesitant because uh, Tom Hardy's accent's a little wacky in that very trailer. very off. It's like he dialed up Eddie Brock to 11 with, like, the weird speech impediment thing.
0: I just don't think he's got an American accent uh, You want to
1: be, be a bike rider? <laughs> yeah.
0: He he just doesn't have... What dude, I watched that? the trailer for it because it's two and a half minutes and all of his speaking lines. I'm like, God, he just... just he's so close. He's he like, so far away. He
1: bookends the trailer. He's, like, at the very beginning speaking and then at the very end speaking. And he sounds like he's, like, a little baby boy. So
0: bad, like... It really it's remarkable how some of these guys from England can nail an American accent mm-hmm. and how if you can't get it you just can't get it. Just it just sounds weird.
1: Yeah, like it do, it sounds very non-specific like no American Id- ever talks like that.
0: Idris Elba was in one of these holiday movies that we were watching and he's you know playing a family member from New York mm-hmm. and he like the whole time he was talking I'm like Boy, he just is not close, and and he had like limited dialogue, and I was like, that's why they did it. They just they had the face, and they're like, I don't remember him being egregiously
1: bad in The Office when he played an American, but maybe that's just because I haven't seen it in a while.
0: I I really think that he it's like a very nondescript accent, so Mm -hmm. you couldn't be like, oh, his origins from here or there. Yeah, but you place him in like New York or that's
1: kind of how Benedict Cumberbatch's accent sounds to me. Yeah, it's just American. Yes, non-specific dialect in any form.
0: Yeah, that's like Tom Holland. I like when, when I found out he was British, I was like, Oh my god, wow! Like he does a really good job of playing a Brooklyn kid. Yeah, you know? he's
1: got like the Queens thing going on, and uh, there was like a moment in Civil War where I could hear the British come out of it, yeah, but that's yeah. like the only time I've ever heard it. Otherwise, after that, like, and he does a great job in uh, Oh the Devil all the time. With that, like southern yeah, accent that yeah. he's got.
0: I think the southern accents are the, not to pick on anyone, but the easier ones to probably. It's more distinct.
1: Yeah. Like if you if he was trying to play someone from, I mean, the Midwest. No chance. It'd be a little more difficult. Yes. And then you got Andrew Lincoln from Walking Dead, who I'm not entirely sure what southern person sounds like that, but I don't hate it.
0: Uh, <laughs> he had a very. He had another really. I've got one lane that I'm going to go in with this accent, and I'm staying in it. And he does. Yeah. And he kills it, whether
1: or not it's right or wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He rolls with it. Uh, there's A Quiet Place Day One, speaking of John Krasinski, although he's yep. not directing it. It's uh, someone named Michael Sarnosky.
0: He It reminded me of... Uh, uh, oh, it's the same guy that directed
1: Pig. I really like Pig. So... oh with uh nick cage yes what were you gonna say i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off
0: no i was there's another one but i don't think it's called pig um Uh, yeah i'm not sure it doesn't really say in the
1: description uh twisters that'll (laughs) matt gave me a look that told me i'm really
0: just tired of them digging up old shit and trying to Wait, you don't like them reviving uh, corpses
1: of classic movies past? No. You're not a fan of that?
0: No. I just... We'll see. I, like I said, I try to I try to stay away from as far of being biased about it as I can. But it's hard. It is. And so you go, I'm going to try to go with a clean slate, but it's probably going to be at a minus one. Where if I was just really pissed, it'd be at a minus five, and I won't give it a chance. I, I, the, the movies that do that, like... You, you've been pleasantly surprised so you want to give them a chance like you walk into something and be like i'm not gonna like it you probably won't like it you know right but predisposed to not liking it still it's it's easier but it's still not great
1: yeah uh we've got deadpool 3
0: yeah with uh hugh jackman right
1: yep hugh jackman comes back as wolverine i think
0: that'll be fun i like the deadpool movies
1: yeah that'll be interesting uh we've got craven the hunter i'm craving it am i right that'll be epic and cool not sure who that is uh <laughs> that's really funny uh <laughs> you, we don't need to touch on it anymore uh transformers one we can skip that yep. okay how how we feel about this one uh joker for de now that's with uh lady gaga in it yep um sheeps playing harley quinn it'll and, be uh, it'll be interesting todd phillips joaquin returning uh, I guess there's going to be a more musical aspect to this. When I think, uh, I first talked about it, I was not very favorable of that piece of news, but I'm curious where they'll go with it. So
0: Todd Phillips is doing it. Yep. See
1: yep. He's the... returning. Uh, I mean, the only other notable thing he's really done is the hangover movies. Uh,
0: yeah. What else? Yeah.
1: I can't think of any other thing that he might've done. I, I'm
0: getting mixed up with someone, so I don't want to sit here and linger on it. Okay.
1: Uh, we got Venom 3, Venom, Venom, get him, get him, yeah, with Tom Hardy doing another, another nondescript accent.
0: I really, they're, the, the, you know who I feel bad for the most? The age groups between 14 and 18 nowadays.
1: Because it, they love Venom too much? No,
0: it's because... When I was a kid, those PG 13 movies were always on the cusp between R and 13. Oh, yeah. So, like, there was a little bit more content and thematical. It's a little bit edgier. Yeah. You like, can get away
1: with a little more stuff. Now it's like, oh, cool. He's eating people off
0: screen, and
1: that's what we're getting.
0: Well, dude, unless it's like, unless it's rated R, these PG 13 movies, like, if you're a 16 year old kid and you want to see something that you know maybe put some hair in your chest or make you think it's just not happening.
1: Well, that's what uh it, it felt like kind of that's what they were trying to get across with the fucking Craven trailer. The sure. cuz he's a Spider-Man character that's going to be in that universe, I guess. And they that movie's rated R and they're like this movie's going to be like Venom except it's R rated and like you see him bite some guy's nose off and he like shoots someone with a crossbow. It's like, okay. Yeah, like, this still is
0: going to be bad. <laughs> you know what I liked? I liked Logan. Like, I liked the movies that, like, hey, we're going to really go into this. Like, if we could actually show him with his claws mm-hmm. taking people out. That, to me, is fun. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it, the, the limited story that you get is fun. When you try to jam-pack a rated R movie with all this shit going on with it and just like, hey, we're going to fill all the boring points with just nonsensical violence, it's still dumb. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, there's a few more that I'm going to touch on. I'm going to go through them really quickly because we do have to get to our movies we're going to talk about. We got Lord of the Rings, The War of the Rohirrim, which I guess is a movie. Uh, it's got Miranda Otto in it. Okay. So that's interesting because she was, uh, Eowyn in the original trilogy. Okay. So I guess there's going to be a continuity there, uh, directed by Kenji Kamiyama. Hmm. don't really know who that is or what he's directed uh Mufasa the Lion King that'll be a nice Disney cash grab uh live action air quotes live action prequel uh Sonic the Hedgehog 3 I still need to watch the second one that's right
0: if you're you am Preston's alley
1: I know right you haven't
0: seen the second one yet
1: <laughs> whoa uh no I haven't <laughs> Sorry, that was my Sonic impersonation. I saw, the,
0: I saw the second one in theaters with P. I haven't seen the first one.
1: I think it's on Amazon, so I could probably check it out.
0: Fairly certain it is. I, I stumbled across it the other day, and, and stuff, so I was like, oh, I saw this movie, and then it just kept going through movies.
1: And then the last one that really is interesting to me, because I love this guy, uh, Nosferatu from Robert Eggers. Yeah. I'm excited for that one. I've yeah. really enjoyed pretty much all of his movies all three of them is
0: it the is it the actual story of Nosferatu or is it like the making of
1: like uh so I'll read this sentence this remake of the classic 1922 vampire film of the same name looks to follow a similar plot centering on a young woman Lily Rose Depp and the vampire Bill Skarsgård who is infatuated with her
0: interesting oh uh, that yeah
1: be along the uh, similar lines just you know I updated visuals and a new creative take on it
0: people sway me on whether i see that or not in theaters that would be one that's when i go to theaters i just like to be entertained right you know
1: the are you not entertained oh uh gladiator 2 was one that i skipped over but we already talked about that in the <laughs> yep. ridley scott episode yeah uh and that was pretty much it otherwise everything else is tbd Cool. Like uh beyond the Spider Verse. There's no like specific date for that yet. It's supposed to be March of next year, but that ain't fucking happening. Um so yeah. Cool. Nice. Speaking of movies, uh we watched a movie called Rare Exports. Yes. A Christmas Tale. And uh that was one you kinda paired with Passion of the Christ. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh... And the Spirit of Christmas. We had to talk about a Christmas movie, so uh i'll let you pull up some info on that i was
0: about to say you know it's we there's two different kind of vibes we're getting with the christmas theme here but uh christmas related nonetheless funny enough also both uh foreign
1: language films
0: yeah (laughs) truly (laughs) which is funny because i went to put the subtitles on this and like it didn't give me the option on peacock and same here i was like okay if i remember this right they speak in finish i
1: thought to myself am i really gonna have to like figure out what's happening in this movie without that, subtitles i did
0: the same i was doing the same things I, i've seen it once before and i'm like i know that i've read i was reading the the dialogue going on what is happening and then mm-hmm. you know because it starts out with them they're speaking in america and i'm like did they dub this whole movie and right. then you know it goes into their stuff so uh rare exports created in 2010 uh directed by Yal mary hellender uh, also written by him, and I think you said it's based on the short films that he created with the actors.
1: Yeah. So two out of the three main dudes and yeah. the adults are also in this movie. Nope. I think the only one that's different is the guy, like the blonde guy with the long hair.
0: Yeah. They, yeah. They, they're like, we can actually pay like one actor now.
1: I think. Yeah. They they got a different guy for the feature film, but really? he's in the first two
0: uh speaking of recasting
1: or another guys in the first two yeah
0: um yeah so i don't want to go through the names because none of these guys you'd recognize from any other films except
1: uh maybe sisu if you watched that also from this director uh the main guy in this oh. uh jorma tom tomila is that the sisu's the action
0: adventure where the guy yep. takes
1: out the nazis yep
0: okay i want to see that
1: same director same actor uh i've so, seen it i can talk about it a little bit after we get into it
0: um Yeah, so this is a movie based on... um, Well, I'll just read the description. In the depths of the mountains of something, uh, 486 meters deep, lies the closest ever guarded secret of Christmas. The time has come to dig it up. Uh, So... essentially what it is is people discover santa claus but it's not the jolly old saint nick that we know and have come to love and care for um they find out what santa claus really is so this this little kid goes through and it starts out with them seeing them digging up santa with the explosions not necessarily actually witnessing the whole um dig up procedure of grabbing him but you know the explosions and they go through and the kid starts reading about it and recognizing oh this is not good Mm -hmm. um one of the most books I've ever seen read by a little kid in a movie uh, over the yeah, course his of room twelve is hours. Just
1: littered with literature.
0: I was wondering where he got it from it was one of the not yeah because yeah. there's
1: no other building within like a 400 mile radius yeah
0: you can't it's not to nitpick at plot points but like i thought he was in a library and then it's just him in his room reading these books yeah. i was like okay this he already
1: is, had books about santa at standby yeah. <laughs> several hundred he's been waiting for the day he could like really break out into research mode
0: yeah so he uh he 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 gets a little bit nervous he starts setting up not traps but just kind of like ways to observe to see if he's getting fouled and and whatnot and uh we go down the rabbit hole of uh his dad and his dad's buddies are the people of the town of 26 um yeah not a lot of people right it's <laughs> like
1: 14 people in this
0: whole town surprisingly a lot of kids though um right
1: a a, a basketful, you could say
0: yeah uh yeah, and that 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 that's where we get to, and uh yeah. So I had seen this, heard about it once before. Um, I've never been able to talk about it. Uh, and uh, here we are. Here we are. Uh, so I
1: will uh first say that I I like the concept of this movie quite a bit. Yes, I think it's a fun take on. Uh, you know, kind of like delving into the folklore of Santa Claus and the sort of uh, mythology behind him, not just like the idea of it being pertained to a specific holiday, but calling him, you know, Father Christmas. It's mm-hmm. sort of like almost like a deity figure or something along the lines of like a mythological creature almost. And that's yes. very much how they treat him in this movie. And uh, I liked how it started out with the kid delving into the research of it, learning about the sort of like folklore that is Christmas. Gives and us context as
0: audience members, too.
1: And you get little like glimpses of Krampus and uh, uh, Pedro Negro Blackbeard in there, uh, referencing collateral just there. Yeah. Uh, that was quite the pull on my part. Or the part.
0: elf on the shelf that I almost had.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, I don't do that because it's just me here. And Piper would knock get yeah. it down. <laughs> no, we, yeah. It'd be an elf on the floor yeah. in the litter box. Dug up. Elf gone. Legs sticking out like it's Wizard of Oz. Um, So I like how it starts off like that. That being said, I really had a hard time enjoying this movie. Really? I, I really couldn't get into it all that much. It kind of lost me. It really? Kinda, it kind of lost me about... I would say halfway through and I'm not entirely sure if it's because to me, this movie has such a mixed tone and it doesn't really feel like it's. So I think one of the obvious examples I can compare this movie to is Troll Hunter, a movie that we've yes. talked about on here. That's very similar vibe. Yes. Very kind of, you know, similar ilk, lower budget, uh, high concept, mm-hmm. uh, genre movie where, that movie to me I really enjoy because uh, it's playing it super serious when it's a very ridiculous situation It they're playing it like it's sort of like a horror movie almost but they're they're trolls. Yeah. There's something that's very much, you know, not within the concept of reality that we have to deal with in everyday life. And so the fact that they're dealing with it is just kind of inherently silly, but I like how it's juxtaposed with the very serious tone. Mm-hmm. Like characters die in that movie and it's yes. framed like in a very serious way. This movie I to me it felt like they were kind of going for that at points, but then at other points, they were treating it more so like a comedy where you know, and obviously it's about like them capturing Santa Clauses and shipping them off to people so that they can be Santas in malls. I'm assuming, you know, whatever. <laughs> Suspension of disbelief is kind of a hard feat to to think about when, yeah, just thinking about this movie in general. But at the same time, I like the sort of grounded logic that Troll Hunter had, and it felt like this one was just kind of all over the place with. What was being taken seriously and what wasn't, if that makes any amount of sense. No,
0: I agree. The saying. Um, so the first time I had seen it, it was. Uh, it, it's it's a fun movie, um, to some extent. So I'm guessing you have to kind of you have to sit there and go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely the tone of the film and some of the the risks that they decided not to take felt like a missed opportunity. Right. Another good uh, comparison is um, Attack the Block. Yes, where there's a lot there's a lot that they're playing with that they just don't dive into that could have made it a lot more fun. Like I I got I kind of forgot about the the you know, they capture one of the Santa Claus or that, you know, they think they have Santa Claus and it turns out it's just an elf. And then they actually discover the real Santa Claus and they don't do anything with it you know no and
1: to me this movie feels and i didn't mean to cut you off i'm sorry good keep going Uh, this movie to me feels like it has only two acts in it the first act them being dealing with the santa claus in the fucking like weird warehouse thing that they've got or whatever like the the shed this big like meat locker that his dad works out of and then the second act being dealing with the horde of elves with like the big, I guess he's supposed to be Santa in the ice block with the kids being yeah. trapped in like all these sacks and everything. They're gonna feed them. It feels like this movie, like you said, could have gone in a lot more different places with it. And like if it had just like more to it, I probably would have liked it more. Also, but
0: I think the eighty minute runtime has something to do with it. It and felt it felt
1: very restricted in that way.
0: The the budget constraints that
1: they had probably. And I could tell, you know, obviously, and it didn't really bother me too much in Troll Hunter, especially the way they use like night vision and how it was framed like a documentary and everything. It kind of was meant to look a little shitty. Yeah. This one is very much framed like a narrative film where you're observing these characters from an objective point of view and you're experiencing it like a typical movie. So the special effects kind of stand out more to me as being a little shittier.
0: Yeah, oh yeah. There, it. Once you get to the, once they discover the real Santa or Father Christmas, mm-hmm. and they they start going through with the helicopter and whatnot, it's yeah.
1: And I like, like I said, I love some of the concepts, and I like the ideas they bring forth. It's just like you said, none of it. I shouldn't say none of it, but a lot of it doesn't really feel fully realized to me.
0: No, and they. I think one of the things that they do, you know, in and, and, and some monster flicks is when you get like one of the minions that come out and you think that's the ultimate terror mm-hmm. and then you find out no, it's not really that's not the one and you The boss has a second health bar in the video game. Yeah. <laughs> like you wanna you wanna get like, oh let's let's realize that terror then. And they don't they don't really capture it or highlight it, and then it makes it seem a little cartoony or campy with the one the elf that they do capture and it's you never get the sense of dread no it doesn't feel like
1: there's a lot of weight to a right. lot of the things
0: that happen in this movie like you know what happens if the if the santa gets out you know like that thing like when yeah. you're looking at it you're like oh that could be a problem but they never there's never any point where you feel like there's a race against time to say like they get the heating out, they stop it from melting. No, and it's
1: kind of meandering at points too. And really, the only sort of things of consequence that happen in this movie are a few like nameless jobbers die. Yeah, I mean, and it's the people on it. the
0: it's the people on the uh, on the job site. Yeah, that go against the rules that one of the guys laid out to do, and you can you know they they the guy scoffs at it, and you're like, well their fate sealed. Mm-hmm. And like the way that
1: especially like towards the end of the film was treating the situations that were happening. It was almost as if they were sort of purposefully being cheeky about it because the scene with like them lifting the, the kids in the sack with the helicopter. Yeah. The entire time I'm not thinking, oh, they're like in a race against time. This is like really tension filled and I'm really like invested in what's happening. Right. What right. I'm thinking of is, how are these kids not dying of hypothermia and also they're all being like crushed together in a big I was, fucking fishnet? Well then that's carrying them by helicopter through the cold ass wilderness.
0: Yeah. There's yeah. I, I think that they had a little bit more of a play on the commercialism that we see with, with Christmas and and them getting their greedy paws on something mm-hmm. else and even the payoff at the end, it's it's a little humorous and I think it's a little bit of a um, it's cheeky oh for sure and they're 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 definitely playing on what Christmas has come to now but there's I, I <laughs> you have a hard time sitting there feeling great about what they've done. I think like you said cheeky where it's just kind of like it's a little bit humorous that they're selling these things now for 85 thousand but I also thought what mall's gonna pay. Eighty-five grand. I
1: mean, they're basically human trafficking at this point. Oh yeah,
0: it was. They, they shipped. They had to put holes in boxes.
1: Uh huh. You know, make sure Santa's fed. Make sure Mister Chris Kringle is fed, and you know, don't drink beer around him. It's
0: you know what it is. It's a it's a eighty-minute short story that they they just got to expand.
1: That's what it feels like. It yes. feels like they took the short story and gave it. It's weird because the short stories almost feel like they should come after this main film because the way that they are they feel like events that would take place after the main uh feature length film like the characters are already like they they're already like in the practice of like wrangling up these santa clauses and like shipping them off and everything and you know it's framed in that way and it's fun and uh, i actually quite like the short films compared to the feature film weirdly enough
0: yeah because it's it's reduced content and it's reduced hit the content. same points
1: <laughs> well it's it's more grounded and it's got a little bit more of a uh, surprise element like i we were talking about it before we recorded but the first short film which i think is just called rare exports inc mm-hmm. is uh like 2 or 3 minutes of them going through the woods with a narrator and the narrator is framing it almost like it's a david attenborough thing like yeah. planet earth where they're talking about what they're hunting but they haven't really gotten into the specifics of it yet and then you see they're hunting like a naked old man and he's chris kringle he's father christmas and it's like oh that's actually really fucking funny but they're playing it very serious kind of like how they do with troll hunter right and that's i think why i like the short films a little bit better i shouldn't say a little bit probably significantly better than the feature length film yeah it's because to me There are those moments throughout the feature length, especially at the beginning with, like, the father and his relationship with his son, and, you know, you get, like, a hint of, like, oh, you know, the mother's not there, something tragic happened. You get, like, a little bit more of, like, a serious tone with it mixed with some, like, horror elements, and I'm like, okay, is this where the movie's gonna go? He's gonna be, like, a really scary, creepy Santa Claus, but then it gets a little more silly with it, and they're just wrangling up all these old men in this pen. Yeah, I i don't know it just it kind of loses me there.
0: well you're making good points another one too if you think about it, there's not a little there's not a lot of character growth about the most he sees from the kid and uh, even
1: that feels like oh all of a sudden a flip is switched and he just knows what to do he's like taking charge
0: yeah that's and that's where it gets into yeah it's they they delved on too many tones and um yeah i still i mean i i still i i It's fun. It definitely. I've been I've been
1: dogging on this a little bit more. So I'm curious to hear what you have to say. Well,
0: I I think it's a fun film. It's a very interesting take on you know some of the holiday films that we see. Mm -hmm. You know, and this is a little bit more of uh, you know Krampus. When Krampus came out, intrigued me because a lot of the stuff that we see with Santa's jolly old Saint Nick, and we don't get to see a lot about the the other side of what Santa could be. And those films that have different takes always. They, they intrigue me because it's either going to be fun or it's going to be really, really bad. Like I've seen some things that have come up that movies that got made in the 80s about Santa being, you know, <laughs> vengeful Santa.
1: <laughs> and uh, yeah, they want to make Santa edgy a lot of the time, which yeah. is, you know, it can it can hit or it can miss.
0: On well, this one, uh, they take a mythological tale or, you know, some some folk tale about him. And, and
1: that's one thing I really appreciate about it they, is they, they go like the sort of like pagan folklore route with.
0: Yeah. It. And that's that's fun, but at the like when I was watching this uh, the other day, uh, I I started losing interest too because I'm like, it feels very uh, one sided or one toned after a certain point. Like I think once they capture him and they're trying to figure out what to do with him, and mm-hmm. then they put him in the cage. Like at that point, it's just really kind of gone off the rails. Well,
1: my thought was, too, is, like, I'm enjoying what's happening in this, like, weird meat locker setting where they're trying to, like, figure out what his deal is. You know, he's just a naked old man in the corner, like, hunched over. Yeah. And you get to learn a little bit about, like, how they operate, like, almost as, like, a, you know, and I say this in a a way that the movie frames it, species. They kind of, they set him up in, like, how he works and, like, what he does when he's around children and how he operates. Kind of like an animal in a certain way. Yeah. And... I kind of like where that was going. I thought I did think to myself, this is going on a little bit long, like them in this like sort of warehouse meat locker setting. And then they finally capture him and put him in, you know, the Santa outfit, put him in the cage, haul him off. And I'm like, "Okay, now there's finally going to be like some action that's going to happen in this movie to progress the story. They're going to go on like a journey of sorts. It's going to be like an ordeal." And then They get there and it's a little bit of an ordeal. They're almost like surrounded by all these like elf Santa Claus guys and it becomes sort of like a zombie movie at at like a certain turn. And then they're in the warehouse and they see the big ice block with like the horns in it and that's supposed to be, you know, Father Christmas. And it's like, okay, so now what? And then it just kind of lingers. No,
0: for a bit I, maybe not lingers but like it doesn't feel like it, it goes soon. Anywhere. they don't go anywhere with it yeah it's just all of a sudden we've we they i don't want to say and i don't want to misspeak but i mean like you get to the climax of this thing and all of a sudden it's done within two minutes like mm. The kid all of a sudden knows how like what to do and lure the elves and, and the guy can fly a helicopter and they strip the radiation. He manages to not
1: hit any of the trees while he's carrying all the kids.
0: Just like all of a sudden it just got to be like, Oh, that seems like a very easy, quick solution for this thing that you've got all these demonic Santa's or elves sitting here. They could have like you know they're coming down on the on the warehouse they're getting in like they're shooting these things you know like they could have taken a lot of different routes Santa starts melting quicker than what they can do he like the bombs get melted away mm-hmm. so they can't blow it up yeah all of a sudden this thing and then hey we've got to take out the L El- you know it. I feel like they were like, all right, the ending's got to be the rare export ending. We got to figure out how to wrangle these things up and, and we got to sell them. <laughs> and we got 80 minutes to do it. And uh-huh. we've got to set up a lot of tension that really doesn't go anywhere. You know, I one of the the most tension-filled scenes was when the guy gets there and he's like that's not Santa. Like I completely forgot that oh that's just an elf. Right. And that was like a
1: revelation in the movie where I kind of went like, oh shit. Yeah, that's not and it, it kind of like sucked it? me in a little bit. They, yes. they, yeah, and then what they do with it is it's it's revealed to be a, a pseudo zombie movie at that point.
0: I, they take out all the guards, and all of a sudden they're not doing anything to the to, to the grown men. Like right. That's when I was like, what What's going on? They just threw. Well, an when, axe they're like at shooting this guy. at them,
1: but like they're not getting like shot. It's like they're missing them all the time. Well, it wasn't
0: even the, them defending themselves. You have. Like, the guy comes in on a helicopter, there's got to be at least three other guys there or something like that. Because mm. And for whatever reason, they take out the people that were on the helicopter, but not the, the, you know, the characters themselves. Yeah. And there's no real sense of dread or sense of, oh, their lives are, you know. And, like, the closest you get is you see all the radiators that came back on why they were stealing the heat. And then they just start taking them out and dislodging them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, well, I guess they they figure that one out. Yeah. You know, and they Yeah. Like think, have it have it be where, you know, Father Christmas, big devil
1: man, horn boy, uh breaks out of the ice and we get a little even if it's like bad CGI, even if it looks terrible, have fun with it. Yes. Have, have have at it, you know, have a day. Make it so that it feels like it has some sort of finality to it. Cause then they just lead all the old men to the pen and they lock it up and it's like that's it. And they got save them. the
0: kids. What are we going to do? It's like, oh, here, we're going to have a really fun turn with it. Right. You know, let's commercialize Christmas and do what everyone has always talked about doing, about making money off Santa. We'll just actually present Santa to them. Yeah. And then you're wondering where who's paying eighty-five grand for
1: a person. For an old man from... Uh from uh what is this norwegian yeah I do uh finnish yeah yeah uh, a, a, an old finnish man yeah who doesn't speak english who like has very basic human understanding you're gonna sell them to like malls across the us and yeah europe in countries that celebrate like, christmas
0: even have some sort of you know they do it with werewolf movies and vampire movies have a cutscene where you know one of the elves breaks into someone's house and you've already known that the one guy has been hurt, mm. so now you know there's more than one. Yeah. You know, like, and so then you're like, "Wait, is that Santa? Who's this other guy? Is there more care?" Like, there's just nothing. They just go, "Oh, he's been taken." So you're kind of just thinking, oh, "This guy got every kid, or what's?" Yeah, it, it. Now it makes more sense having heard that this is based on a short story. That now I'm starting to think like, "Oh, this thing got extrapolated, and they just yeah." The story and this—it's not an awful story. I just think 80 minutes is probably too quick for an action action flick like this, with like some not heavily themed, but some. Hey, we're explaining like how Santa came to be. Yeah, like, right. you can't just thrust that in in 80 minutes and have like a, ben- a bunch of suspense drawn in. Well, not
1: only are they explaining how like Santa came to be and like the concept of of what Santa Claus is especially considered in like contemporary times. But, you know, there's a lot of room to have that sort of commentary of we're going to commercialize Santa Claus. We're going to commercialize something that should otherwise be like the spirit of Christmas.
0: It should not be commercialized. This thing is pure evil. In right. Words. Like, take, like, think about it this way, too. You've got this folktale, right? That they, like, we talk about the pagan elements going on with it. Um, not a lot of people are probably well versed in that. Have fun with that. Take mm. your own spin or your own, you know, whatever your thoughts on it. Or, like, hey, we can kind of spin this whatever way we want. Because about the only people that are going to give us gruff are the ones that hate everything that's probably sima- cinematically related. Right. You know, so, like... Take some creative liberties. Yes, exactly. And they, it, it just feels like they, got, they, they danced on the edge of it. Just never hopped in. And they missed, ultimately, what I think could have been a little bit more of a fun movie if this thing got remade in America and was like a hundred minutes long, I I'd still check it out.
1: Yeah. Like give it some room to breathe, delve into it a little bit more. Don't be afraid to like really dig into the folklore elements of it and like ultimately have fun. Cause I mean, yeah. it, you could tell this movie wanted to have fun and it was having fun at a few different moments, but it almost felt like it was also afraid to have fun. As much fun as it wanted to,
0: I just think it was. I, I'm. I, I'll still stick on the time constraints. I mean, 82 minutes to try to get this thing off the ground with, you know, that's why they did it within two days. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you think about, you give this thing another 40 minutes, you could have a whole timeline from December 10th up to the, you know, with the kids in the town missing. Mm-hmm. Make the town a little bit bigger. I mean, like you can tell budgetary constraints and and the time constraints on the film itself. They had to pick a small location, very limited actors. Um not to say the acting was bad. I like I enjoyed the acting. It was um, fine. The kid was kind of losing me a little bit, towards especially the towards the end. Yeah, towards the end I was like, all right, where's this fucking what's what's going on here? We dropped v- Huso and all of a sudden we're a man. Yeah. Um But like if you could open up the story a little bit more and and get a little bit more set in a town, like I'm trying to think thirty days and thirty nights. Mm-hmm. Is a, I don't know if you have ever seen this with Josh Hartnett. Not a great horror film, but they set it in a town in Alaska. But there's enough people in the town and enough characters of what's going on to ver- make you concerned about the the well the welfare of the town itself.
1: What about Eight Crazy Nights? What about that? I've where seen does, that. Where does that fit in?
0: That that is nope. Actually, that was on. Uh, we had that on about the fourth or fifth day. We had Willow. Um, the fifth day of Hanukkah naturally because <laughs> yeah. you know that's what the movie's about you know yeah that that movie is uh that has not held up
1: uh that yeah. was
0: at the height of Sandler being what like doing whatever he wanted to do well
1: we'll have to wait a year to find out because uh, we missed our window yeah but uh next but, year baby 2024 the year of the sandman I'm
0: trying to think there's there's other movies that are like this where we've come out and said because of these types of constraints I think it got withheld I don't think it's up to the to the directors or the writers. I mean, and who knows? They were like, we've only got 21 minutes of content here and you Mm want to triple it. Yeah. Quadruple it. And having seen his other
1: movie that he came out with recently, Sisu, that also kind of felt like it was afraid to really delve into it and expand on it. And also felt like it had a lot of like constraints to it. It felt like the movie was trying to be made with like one arm tied behind its back. Yeah. Because... That movie is fun if you haven't seen the trailer and you just go into it because the trailer gives you all the best scenes. Oh, really? Like, every single one of I them. I don't... Like, if you've seen the trailer, you've seen the entire fucking movie. That's... How long is it? Uh, It's not long. I think it's, like, maybe 100 minutes. Let, that... me, let me verify.
0: Yeah, I... And I think, you know, just from reading on what what production houses do, you can get chopped off. 91 minutes. 91. Yeah. Yeah, You can get chopped off very quickly on your creative liberties uh, with what you want to take with films because they're more concerned about the bottom dollar than they are about, you know, what you have to say or the story that you've crafted.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Was there anything else we wanted to talk about with Rare
0: Exports? No. uh, I watched it, and at at watching it, I was like, "Uh, this is a little bit more of a... To me, a little bit more of a popcorn fun flick to watch than actually one that you just sit there and can go on and on about. Because it, it just it falls short in a lot of different directions. Um, I will say, for a Christmas movie, you want to throw this on, I would add it to the holiday, holiday list just to have on. Um, but this isn't one that you sit down at the fire and, you know throw on the christmas tree light it's more of like you're getting ready for the party and you just want to have something on in the background because there's fun points in this and it it, it's still some interesting concepts going on but ultimately probably at the end of the day that you just get more frustrated with it Mm -hmm. and what they missed
1: yeah i agree with you and you know i was going into this kind of thinking that we were going to disagree a bit more on this but it sounds like a lot of what i was kind of picking up on you also did as well
0: you, you yeah i'm gonna say right now uh i was after watching it um i was like i'm very interested what kyle has to say about this because this isn't quite as good as i remembered it being mm-hmm. i think the first time that i saw it i was just a lot i was very intrigued by the concept and i thought oh wow this is really fun but then watching it again um i, I noticed i was like looking at my phone and being like Boy, this just doesn't have the, the, the beef behind it that I thought it did.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I get that 100%. Uh, shall we go into ratings? Yeah. Uh, do you want me to go first?
0: Yeah, because you want to you do Passion. You want to give that ratings uh, when we do that, right? Yeah, I'll,
1: I'll, I'll do that one after uh, you yeah. give yours for Passion. Yeah. Uh, so, like I said, I really like the concept of it. I, I like where it was starting off, but where it ultimately led up, I was kind of disappointed in uh a movie that has a lot of remnants and you can tell has elements of it wanting to be bigger than it actually is wanting to delve into it more without necessarily actually getting there and ultimately there was just a lot about it that kind of frustrated me so uh, this one's a four out of ten for me oh. uh, unfortunately yeah uh, just not it didn't really keep my interest kind of really lost me, especially in the last half, and I don't know if it's one I can ever say that I would be excited to revisit.
0: No, this, and it's you know, like I said, I mean to me this will be one, it it goes into the popcorn flick of having on um, if, you, if you need to have, you want to throw on an 80 minute movie because you're trying to kill time I think this is a fine one to put on um, second viewing though really helped shape my thoughts on it, so uh, no, I'm a 6 out of 10 with it. Um, I originally had this at an 8 out of 10, so the first time I saw it, I was very... I, I, so, it's I, a
1: unique film.
0: I think what happens to is sometimes when I watch films, I do a little bit more in my head about what they could have done, and then I add it to the film. Mm. So it gives me a little bit more... thing. And obviously, this thing sat with me, um, but I think it sits, sits with me a little bit more on what was ultimately missed with the film right. and what could have been versus what is. So I I had it at a 7 after I graded it again, but talking about it, I bumped it down to a 6. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, yeah, I I think that first time viewing, unlike yourself, I do think that this could be fun, um, but that's probably about as far as you go, and and even with the fun, I don't think it's a very, it's not shivering timbers.
1: Yeah, I had some fun with it, it's just. It misses. It it misses quite a bit. Yeah. And that's that's kind of where it loses me. Yeah,
0: and that's, it's fair to say.
1: Yeah. Speaking of Christmas, guess who was born on Christmas? Oh! Almost me, but no, Jesus Christ. Our Lord and Savior. That is right. That is right, Mac. Hallelujah. Uh, Oh, joy to the what Christ is born, or whatever it is. Uh, Of course, we're going to talk about the passion of the Christ, which, you know, some could argue we maybe should have recommended this during Easter time, but... You know, whatever. I'm it's a little about lost Jesus. on his
0: timeline. I tried we're, watching the movie. I was going through it with Jasmine, who went to a Christian college and church all of her life. And she had a hard time kind of very, you know, the elemental plot or not plot, but, you know, just the whole stuff with what was going on with our um, with our Lord and Savior. And I'm not a big religious guy. So uh, all the, this movie was new to me.
1: Also, I'm gonna throw this in here right now. Uh, neither of us are looking to offend anybody's faith or beliefs. No, when God, we're gonna no. talk about this movie, we're just going to talk about this as a movie. We're probably going to touch on some Christian concepts, obviously, but God, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna grade this as much as we can from a narrative perspective. This is cinematically speaking, and probably from you know what the intentions of uh, Sir Mel Gibson were. <laughs> while uh, in production for this film yeah but that's the furthest we're gonna go from it we're not looking to like make enemies with anybody listening uh we're not looking to uh talk smack about your beliefs so yeah which i just want to throw that out there right now
0: good disclaimer
1: yes uh that being said i can uh describe this film uh you know the tale's all this time quite literally uh the story of the passion of the christ is uh the last 12 hours of jesus's life uh as depicted by uh, sir mel gibson as i mentioned before directing this film also uh he wrote the screenplay with benedict fitzgerald uh you know based on the new testament from the bible and it's got jim caviezel as our lord and savior jesus christ uh and maya morganston as mary the mother of jesus uh you know monica bellucci uh, the other probably notable actress in this playing mary magdalene and uh i'll throw him out there luca leonello as judas iscariot who i for sure want to touch on in this movie uh and is about the last 12 hours of christ's life like i said where he uh is betrayed by judas handed over to the roman soldiers and is uh you know Spoiler warning for Passion of the Christ is uh, crucified at the end of the film, and uh, we're going to get into it. Let me grab my little fidget thing.
0: Yeah. Drop
1: that. And I need that to talk, much like Jesus needs uh, his followers to.
0: John to That's what I thought Judas
1: name. was. You thought he was John Turturro? Yeah, I was. <laughs> that would have been there, really funny. There
0: are some, there are some certain scenes uh, where it's very with Judas when he starts doing the nose thing on the wall, mm-hmm. where I'm like, is that John Turturro? I'm like, I didn't think there was any big actors in this. Is that? And then I looked it up. I'm like, nope, definitely not him.
1: Nope, uh, it's just some some guy. So I wanted to kind of talk about this movie because obviously it being Christmas. You know, Jesus's birthday. Yeah. What better Jesus movie to talk about than Passion of the Christ? Probably the most infamous one. Uh, yeah. You know, maybe next to uh, The Temptation of Christ, which I think was Martin Scorsese back in like the late 80s, I think. Sure. Um, This movie I had never seen before. Me uh, neither. It was really? Okay. Uh, it was one that I was mostly curious about because I had heard... That it was a certain type of way. And that certain type of way being that it's basically torture porn. You're watching Jesus getting uh, cut, stabbed, whipped, uh, beaten, pushed to the ground. Uh, Basically, you know, like I said before, tortured pretty much most of the runtime of this movie. And I was curious because I wanted to talk about this in relation to not only the culture around the movie... Mel Gibson's intentions when making this movie, but also just the movie on its own, right. like as a narrative. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I have got I've got my issues, I've got my positives,
0: but I kind of want to hear what your what was the uh, movie that thoughts are. we watched uh, about Marilyn Monroe's life, Blonde. Yeah, that's what this felt like.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm not gonna disagree with you there. Um,
0: uh. <laughs> I, I you know, I, I thought to me, I'm like, this is a movie where i I could see a lot of people that uh, you know have a lot of religious beliefs getting into uh, almost sort of cathartic, you know, about as they go through and and seeing you know what what Christ went through to uh, absolve us of our sins, I think was the interesting.
1: I have kind of a different perspective. On I, it. but i keep going I'm well curious.
0: that's just how I like, I'm watching I was like all right if I was if I really wanted to be absolved or get that sense of what he went through for me this film would be a good representation of it to a certain extent um, okay. but overall very cartoony uh interesting cinematic not cinematically speaking but the acting itself uh and I think it's just because I'm not I'm not with the time, but we have You're not with it, you're not with the kids. No, I'm, no, I'm saying like I don't they made it like You're not cool with Jesus, hey, man. We got this we got this kid that's got Down syndrome. Let's beat the shit out of him and kill him. Like I'm just sitting there watching, I was like, Mob mentality is pretty gross, and I feel it and I'm, there's a narrative behind it, and also we're looking at real life events. So I guess it's my whole thing of not being of a church background, but mm-hmm. watching this as a narrative, as you you know we talked about, uh, it just feels cartoony. I mean, it just it, it that's it's
1: exaggerated. It. It's exaggerative, but I, I it's weird because that's what he wanted to go for. I'm pretty sure is what Mel Gibson was trying to there... get across. It felt like he wanted it to be as in your face as possible because he was specifically making it with church people and christians in mind like they're gonna watch this movie and this is going to be taught in like sunday school as a lesson they're
0: gonna go through and watch this and you're gonna actually get the visual representation because we all read about it in the bible or in the you know in the in the books and what we've been taught but we we don't get that you don't get to see what it's like and the bible isn't
1: exactly uh uh, you know written in the way that uh it's had a piece of prose would be written yeah you know like the bible's very like it, almost literal, straightforward. Like, this is the event that happened, and we're going to describe it in like the most base way possible. We're not going to throw any complicated descriptors in right. there. Uh, what you're going to get is what you're going to get, and that's it.
0: So, my half the problem that I have with this thing is like, yes, the at the the first half of this movie, as we're going through a Judas who's betrayed him, and we're kind of seeing these uh, this other religious fact that doesn't believe that he's preaching or he is our lord and savior or he's a messiah but he's leading people the wrong way Mm -hmm. this isn't how it was intended and if there's enough people that believe him they could overcast what we believe in now or take over whatever money we're making yeah um so i think the seven deadly sins had to play some part in this greed and you know corruption and corruption's not well it is a sin but not one of the seven deadly ones greed is and you get to see that with Judas. Um, it's, you know, that, that, that up to that point, I was like, all right, like, I definitely get that these people are afraid of him and what he can do. And then we turn it over to the Romans, and all of a sudden, it's like Mel Gibson's going, listen, we want you to feel as bad as we can for Jesus, and you got to remember, while he's doing this, this wasn't, you know, they didn't have 12 guys walking him up by himself. Everyone made him a martyr. And we, you're gonna see him feel disgusted by how we were treat, or how he was treated as he's going through his final hours. Mm-hmm. And the acting at that point is so outlandish and put in like a very, like, I, like I'll say, a cartoony way that it just, it's like we have this real life event going on, but also it doesn't feel like this is what happened at all.
1: Right, like the the characters that are torturing him feel like borderline cartoonishly evil and i was especially thinking about that during the scene like his first like big torture scene where Mm -hmm. they're like whipping the shit out of him with those like chains or whatever yeah uh i definitely got that sense i don't know i guess i was more so thinking about the acting in terms of jim caviezel himself because i mean he's he's (laughs) the star he's jesus in this film it's the same thing and i didn't i didn't marilyn monroe did right it's, it's one of those things where, like, I don't think I could say he gave a bad performance because he's doing what he's being called for. It's just, you right. know, obviously with a character like this and a story like this, there's not going to be much room for, like, nuance or... You know, uh, subtle performance in any way. No, it's just going to be like him being tortured the entire time, and him being good at portraying someone who's getting tortured.
0: Yes, it, there's there's two rooms that you're in. You got a six by six room, and you got an eighteen by eighteen room. Obviously, there's going to be more happening in the eighteen by eighteen room. Yeah, you know, and that's it, he had his hate to keep bringing up constraints but this is where you're kind of the box that you're living in now when he did have a speaking line well, how much
1: creative liberty did mel gibson let him have with playing jesus christ himself is my question well
0: it's hey you're going through the final 12 hours i just need you to look really beat up and just and taking the shit on like scream and cry maybe a few times and you know i but like when he's in pain and and given his out some of those the, the dialogue like i mean it. I felt like he did a good job when it hit, like when he needed it to hit. It right. definitely it, it hit. hit
1: the marks. And I mean, you know, I'm not a language expert or anything, but it is impressive how they incorporated, yes. uh, you know, the Hebrew language and Aramaic, which, you know, I so lovingly butchered earlier in the episode. It's impressive how they not only incorporate that, but how they portray it with such confidence and how they acted out. I,
0: I, I feel like there's, as you're watching this, as he's going through the streets of Nazareth, um, I believe that's where he was, or is Jesus from Nazareth? I don't know where Jesus they...
1: is from Nazareth. I don't remember where they take him to. Uh, where he gets crucified. He's
0: a governor and uh, and I, everyone here like this is like nails on a chalkboard. <laughs> if yeah. you're religious. Um, yeah we're gonna
1: get like "Uh, actually in the book it was like this yeah (laughs) like we're gonna get comic book nerd equivalent
0: of like christians you'll you'll have to forgive us (laughs) at least forgive us yeah like jesus kyle went to church so you know he's got he's got at least four years under his belt hey take me to church yeah um so you got you got like i i feel like as he's going through the streets and there's like no dialogue and we're just beating him up and everyone's throwing bread and, and shit at him. And these guys are laughing like as hard as they can laugh. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's 40 minutes of no dialogue and I'm sitting there like, I, you know, I feel like if I was a really church going person, I would be on the edge of my seat just like, Oh my God. So I kind of want
1: to, I'm glad you brought this up and I kind of want to go back to your original point of if I was, you know, you said something along the lines of, I felt like if I was a Christian watching this, I would feel like a sense of comfort knowing that this is what my Lord and Savior went for me. Not
0: comfort. This is
1: actually, this is, I'm seeing it depicted. So like, but you see, you, you kind of like said there was a level of assurance like, oh, I'm saved because of what he went no,
0: through. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is he died to absolve our sins, right? Like yeah. that's the big thing. What I'm saying is you get to see what he did to absolve those sins. So there's a level of holy shit. Like I've been bad this year, and now I'm seeing this. Like I've really got to take this. Oh, like I got to change my life around.
1: And that's that's where I wanted to sort of like bring this conversation into because I was asking some of my friends about it because you know you know a little bit of background on me. I grew up in a Christian household, uh, but we didn't really like go to church that often. And then we only started going after my grandma passed away. And even then it was very like kind of laid back, non-denominational community church. Mm -hmm. Uh, I asked uh, Gideon and Lauren, you know, Lauren who helped with our logo and Gideon who does the music for us, uh, shout out to them. Uh, I was asking them because they each grew up in Christian households a little bit more so, you know, towards the going to church more regularly than I did. Right. And so I asked them about this movie and they each had kind of a different sort of upbringing in relation to this film. Gideon was a little bit more like me where, you know, he watched the film, but his family was a little bit more relaxed when it came to, you know, their religion. They weren't necessarily like the most strict Mm -hmm. and he watched it, but he didn't really think much of it. Now, Lauren, it was interesting talking to her because she grew up specifically Catholic and, You know, Mel Gibson being Catholic is portraying this through a Catholic lens. It's safe to assume since he wrote the screenplay and directed the film. I was
0: very curious about what his denomination was.
1: Right. And so that's kind of where the angle of the movie is coming from. And so I asked her about it and she said she's seen the movie probably two or three times. The first time she saw it, she told me she was 10. And I'm thinking to myself, boy, howdy, a 10 year old watching this movie? That is that is rough, buddy. Yeah. Uh, But she said the first time she watched it, it very much instilled this feeling of, wow, I can't believe this is what Jesus went through for me. I feel such a sick. Because, like, I guess, like, according to her, there's like an emphasis on shame within the Catholic Church. And you're supposed to feel a sense of shame when you think about all the horrible things that Jesus had to go through for you specifically. Like, he had to do this because of you and your sins. Right. And... She told me the second time she watched it, because, you know, each time she watched it was for, like, a specific church thing. You know, it was never of, like, her own accord or anything.
0: (laughs) Well, that could... Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, The second time she watched it, I believe she told me she was, like, 15 or 16. And the second time was a lot more of the, the mindset and the lens of, like, you know, even though I'm watching this in a church setting, this is a weird... Thing that they're showing me still someone who's in my adolescent years maybe shouldn't be watching like a movie that is like this viscerally torturous like this gruesomely violent even if it is within the lens of it being a more religiously made catholic movie yeah and you know that is an interesting point and i'm glad she brought it up because i had the same thought of like you know this movie, I know that people have seen this when they were young. I know they've seen it when they were children. You know, an R-rated Christian movie. And so, my line of thinking is, I don't know if this is something that you know should be what it was made for. I don't think that this is something that should be shown to children, no matter well, what the religious I setting or like the think whole that like, it's thing
0: is. Rated R for a reason.
1: It's rated R for a reason, and. I don't think you necessarily need to show Jesus' skin getting ripped off to children. You well, know, you keep It's kind of weird to I, me.
0: So that I'm going to stray away from that because I'm not... Yeah, I think any rated R film you shouldn't show to a kid. Right. Like, whether or not the content's there because it falls on some sort of belief that you have... Whatever it may be. I agree with you. But I also... I don't think that this thing was marketed towards kids either.
1: Not towards kids, but like Christians who then showed it to children. Right. And this is more so me addressing like not the filmmakers, but like the people who are in those institutions who would more so like show it to children.
0: Yeah. And I I definitely feel like there might be some sort of... um, I don't, yeah, I don't want to stray on the on the on how I felt of it, right? Um, because I I I call it a, a different thing, and I think this is more geared towards adults who find themselves very heavily, um, and in, in, inundated in the Bible and mm-hmm. some of the in some of the, the preachings. And like I if think, you're
1: watching this movie, you you already know where your camp is,
0: dude. I I this thing got thrown on, and I'm t- I'm talking to Jasmine. I'm like. I'm I'm kind of like all right, this is this is good, you know, and I'm I'm getting a sense of what's going on, but I could have used more just as a general audience member about some of the background. Like this is the audience that this thing's marketed for is for probably 17 to you know 80 year olds that go to big demographic, yeah. Well, but I'm saying like that go to church religiously Mm -hmm. and that are well versed in everything that's going on with the Bible and have a very Uh, Internal doctrine with with their you know with their deity or their lord and savior and you have the other aspect of like it just feels like this is a very niche marketed movie that got populated super successful yeah well super successful probably because a lot of those demographics or those groups went and saw it four or five times like Mm -hmm. I I definitely feel like this is played up to a certain market and like. It felt to me as if this was the biggest money grab with like, I don't, if Mel Gibson intended this to be done the right way, this thing would have been shown for free or straight to DVD. This Mm -hmm. was definitely like put in place because they felt like they could get a cash cow going and prey on like a certain demographic, seeing this movie multiple times and prey on a demographic. (laughs) Yeah. However, whatever vol you want to use. And you know it—it—it it, it, it felt like it hit that market. Like I'm watching, I was like, I could see these people being affected heavily by it, like 100%. especially if you're with it. But like the other general audience, or maybe people getting into religion that are very new to it, this is one that you're kind of watching where it could—I could see people being swayed out of it. And that's sort of like the
1: ultimate point at the end of the day is, you know it's popular amongst those demographics like you said because they already know what they're getting into and they already know the type of thing that they want to see whereas like you and me are coming at this movie from the perspective of just watching it as a movie and when you're watching it from
0: that lens it doesn't really work no it that's what i'm that's what i'm saying like i i that's why i called it blonde i mean it's just blonde like if you're if you're if you take out the context and what it's supposed to like i feel like Half of it too is you're, like there's a little bit of guilt to being like you're watching the singing, like you can't call it bad. It's like that's not right. Yeah. Like, if you, if you call
1: it bad, then you're, you hate Christians. Yeah.
0: Like, and that's what I'm sitting there. I was like, and it's not a bad film, but like in terms of like the narrative of what's going on, not enough context, there's not enough story being developed. We're literally just watching him die and get crucified. And they, they focus on that and linger on that for so long. At some point, it becomes old. But It's not old to those who have lived that literature and believe it daily. Well, it is a tale as old as time. You know, and well, that's why I said, you know, 17 to 80 year olds. uh, (laughs) Like, you know, you you get a chance. I'm trying to think about like if you were watching a movie that had was based on perhaps like a writer and like you really like man that is like the closest that you could get to being a writer and feeling those emotions Mm -hmm. you might really like it i could go in and watch it and be like there's very few movies like that right it well just like this one and i would i could go and watch that and be like man I don't know what the fuck that was. <laughs> like, <laughs> that didn't speak to me at all. I don't have that issue or I don't have those problems. Right. Or I don't get
1: right. And, and this movie isn't for you or for me. It's for people who, like you said, are already in yeah. that world and, and know what they want.
0: That's what I'm... That's. I guess that's my point of, like, when I say I don't think it's comfort that people find. I think it's just a visualization of what he had to go through. Confirmation more so. Kind of, I mean... Not, a little bit confirmation, yeah. I mean, it's more of like just, I need to, if I wanted to, every Christmas, you could throw this on if you wanted to be reminded. Mm-hmm. Like, it's 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 done enough if you're into that, like, into that world. Like, I could see people on the other of your seats feeling like, oh, God, no, no. Oh, my God, they're laughing at them. Like, they don't know. They don't get it. Mm-hmm. They don't understand, you know, and, like, getting mad at the Romans. Whereas for me, I'm watching this, I was like, all right, he's he's getting the shit beat out of him, and these people are just laughing. Like, I, is this really how it went? Like, I feel like right. Give me the twelve guys that are surrounding him, and just like every once in a while, give him a whip because that cross is like fucking hundred and fifty pounds. They made him drag it by himself.
1: And it also it doesn't really help too that a lot of this movie is you know it's straight up ripped from the Bible. There's passages that are used as lines of dialogue mm-hmm. that Jim Caviezel says in Arabic, and it kind of helps to give it that more like biblical feel. It's a little more consistent, but then you get moments where, uh, you know, characters say something like shut up or like, you know, like, something that would be, like, a more modern colloquialism, yeah. whether or not it's being, like, translated from a more, like, air quotes, <laughs> authentic language, we're still getting the subtitle of something that would very much read like someone wrote it in the 21st century. Yeah,
0: I mean, you gotta, you still gotta make sure he keeps you in a little bit, <laughs> like. Well, it's interesting, too, because
1: I guess Mel Gibson originally didn't even want subtitles at all. He wanted to rely solely on on the fact that you knew the story well enough that you were just going to get visual indications of where this was going. And uh yeah, you know, my the, cat's praising the Lord right now because she agrees with me. Dude, that's
0: a that they start out with him getting Judas sends the Romans on him and, and has him ascend onto their camp and it's on. And like I'm watching it going, I don't I don't know the story too well. I know the end result. I'm hoping that they give me some sort of Hey, like lead up, build up, like showing maybe some of no. him with more of the, the no. The
1: most you get is like little minute long flashbacks, if that, of like him with the the disciples or yeah, uh, it's true. Him like preaching on the mountain or like whichever yeah. But like, the bulk of the movie is like. You know, very linear yes. in that way.
0: It And I, I could have used more context. But right. that's another reason why I'm saying this is not geared towards a general audience member.
1: Like, if you're showing this to people who aren't believers, hoping that they'll become believers, it's not going to do a good job of that.
0: No. I ex- <laughs> i'm surprised this thing did as well as it did but i also know that there are probably people that treated it like i did twister where they saw it six times in theaters right and and you know that's that's where they they captured it from is that this this and it's not small niche community i mean it's 50 percent of the population or whatever mm-hmm. we are with christian goers uh and that's that's who they ultimately got to go back and see this thing and you know i mean that's Honestly, that's who it was designed for, and like you said, some of the some of the colloquial expressions that are used, or some of just the language that's involved, is probably just to keep the younger audiences. You imagine this thing not having subtitles, <laughs> dude. I would. I. I mean, no offense, but like, it might almost make
1: it a little more interesting for me personally, just because I'm like, okay, I have a, you know, I have a good understanding of where it's going. But what are they going to show, and how is this going to make sense without being able to understand what they're saying?
0: I was sucked out of it with him just walking through the streets, and that's 40 minutes of no dialogue, right? I yeah. can't imagine them sitting there talking in Arabic and going through and having these. Very visual arguments and not have any fucking cl- like imagine them with the Romans like the he almost got freed, yeah. I was like sitting there I'm like, this really happened like he was that fucking close, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and you you you'd have no idea there wouldn't be any sense of like oh shit like you just like oh I'm waiting for this guy to get hit with you know these lashes, so a bit of
1: context to uh, you know Mel Gibson himself and this this movie, uh, he did basically market it to uh priests and pastors and like a different like church group he showed this movie before it was officially released to like mega churches basically so that he could like help get the word of mouth on the movie spread you know like you were saying earlier like if he wanted to do this right it would be a free movie for all the masses to see but instead it's a it's a cash cow and he wanted to make as much money from this as possible. You know, whether or not he truly is a Catholic that believes what he's doing is, like, the right type of movie for him to make. He still, at the end of the day, wanted to make a good amount of dough. Oh, yeah.
0: And yeah, that's... It's very... And it's... Dude, every lashing that came on him, I was like, oh, yeah. Like, the, he's really living this up because people are going to feed into every this. Every lashing is another dollar cha-ching. Yeah, that, <laughs> that I, I, that'd be a great... off. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a fun edit, uh, uh, but I don't want to do that. I'm
1: not going to be the one to do that. Yeah, I could I'm, do that. I'm not going to. Yeah, I don't want to be. But I was. Might after- be a little weird if I put that up on the channel. Dude,
0: this movie ended, and I'm like sitting there thinking, like, all right, you know, not bad. Like, it made me more curious about the subject matter and learning a little bit more about uh, the events of Jesus and what, what was happening. Uh, but then I was also thinking, like okay, why did why is this, why did he have to market it? Why did we have to go through this? Why are we trying to get award nominations? Why did the studio house go through and say, hey, we're going to give you, uh, like, let's not forget, this thing is designed to make money, mm-hmm. and it felt, it, that's why it just, sometimes it feels gross to me that you go through and, and you do these things, and it's to get a dollar as opposed to, you know, not to say, like, free education, but, like, if it's really designed to, um kind of maybe not not necessarily liberate but give you that visceral sense of of what he had to go through and it definitely does mm-hmm. but like why not make it cheaper why not have it limited release and then you get it and distribute it like you can sit here and say all you want that you're you're doing it for a good cause but at the end of the day like you went through and marketed the hell out of this thing yeah like, you went through and tried to get Oscar nominations like this is definitely designed for something and people might come at you could come at me and say yeah but it's still it's still sending the message that we wanted it to send and it should be received that way. I'd say, all right, I mean, that that's fair, but I definitely feel like there's a different medium that this could have went through and you could have still got the same thing out of it.
1: And also maybe just make it more of a movie than maybe, (laughs) then maybe more of us would enjoy it. (laughs) I
0: thought I definitely, I really did think it was going to be a movie. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, Like I got like, I'm not lying, dude. There's the one guy they start doing this oh my god in the slow motion scenes. I, t- I looked at Jasmine. I go there's so many fucking slow oh, motion scenes. Oh the like
1: low frame rate slow-mo yeah. that they do. Yeah. That I, was very prevalent in that time period. That's I told her that's that my I, favorite thing that I always love to talk about.
0: Yeah, I, I looked at it, she's she said it's more dramatic and I go I know. I go melodramatic.
1: Huh? Melodramatic. Oh,
0: Just there's so many of them. I'm like well timed ones are good. This thing had it like every in every other scene. Yeah. So,
1: there's, like, some weird horror elements in this movie, too, specifically with Judas when that or scene Lu- yeah. happens when, uh... Yeah, or Jesus, I guess. What no, happens. I was gonna say was Lucifer. Oh, yeah, Lucifer, too, at the yeah. beginning with the snake uh, he's, and everything. He's, he's,
0: he or she, I don't know. Is, I think it's played by a woman. I think so, too. At first, I thought it was a man, and then when they did it in modern day, when he's getting whipped... And they
1: make him very uh androgynous on purpose. Yeah. Yes. Uh this movie's anti uh, non-binary question mark. Um, <laughs> what I'm thinking of is the, the scene with Judas with the kids mm-hmm. where they're like, you know, they're, they're calling him cursed or whatever. Like, Oh, he's cursed. He's cursed. Yeah. And then it like keeps cutting back and forth between them and like these quick cuts. And they all have like these grotesque faces and like one of them's biting his arm and he's got like his eye, like really fucked up and he's got like fucked up teeth. And the other one looks like a weird little old man. This is some freaky ass shit. Like that just kind of came and went out of nowhere. Like this weird yeah. like jump scare part of it.
0: I don't know if it was I, representing demons. You know, yeah Judas, and that's, like,
1: that's what he was going for, but yeah. I I don't know, man.
0: It, <laughs> no, no, it, it it kept me. I was like, Oh, I wonder what's happening here. And then well, and then he hangs himself wacky. and I looked at Jazz, I was like, Did he really hang himself out there? And she's like, I don't I don't really remember. I'm like Judas did hang himself. Did he? Yeah. Okay so there you go i mean and that's like yeah i'm not sure about like the kids and the you know
1: the demon stuff happening there
0: probably not i'm gonna guess that, There's that some was creative a creative liberty, liberty. Yeah.
1: yeah uh <laughs> but you know i guess more power to him maybe uh mel gibson could have taken more what are of the those more throughout this movie
0: exciting things happening in the film
1: i don't disagree with you i, I mean, don't love it i just don't hate it it's one of those things where i'm like oh that's it's interesting
0: that's weird. You got to play it out, right? You got to have something in there where Judas has got to get his way of why. He, I'm sure that there's something in the Bible that said that he was spoken to by the snake or something. And then Gibson made it the kids. I don't know.
1: Yeah. There's also something. I think
0: it's I'm, weird that he had kids
1: doing it, not like people. I think kids makes it more uncanny. So it's probably it works that they're kids.
0: More disturbing.
1: Well, also, kids are just, you know, they're prone to be a little more. Uh uh brazen with that sort of thing because you know it's harder to justify like adults like acting immature that way calling him a curse or whatever right Whereas like you know little shit-ass kids come up it's a little believable that they're shit-ass kids <laughs> yeah. especially back then I don't know oh if... my gosh lack of
0: discipline well you i yeah i can't remember why were they they were calling him isn't it weird he gives jesus up and then he comes back and He's not feeling great. And then these kids come up and start screaming he's cursed. So it's almost like the kids are on the good end. Well, but, like, like, but they are on the bad end. They I
1: like, they, tr- they try to help him. And then they say, like, oh, look how fucked up his lips are. And then he's like, get away from me. He like starts smacking at him. No, and then I they say he's cursed. I
0: know what I, yeah, but I'm saying, like, so Judas did a bad thing, right? Yeah. So when you think about the kids, I'm just thinking about this now because this whole movie, it's sometimes like,
1: <laughs> the fact that they're like kind of torturing him is like justified in a way that's he what gave i'm jesus up
0: yeah that's what i'm saying but at the same end they're not well like, it's,
1: it's one of those things where like i don't think the devil discriminates when it comes to uh who he wants to torment right uh because you know free-for-all fuckery is i think you know the mantra of satan at least portrayed in this movie great you
0: know? great mantra
1: yeah yeah he's a rock star in this movie man <laughs> yeah. um Another thing I wanted to bring up too and this is kind of a smaller thing did it distract the shit out of you like it did me uh, the way his eyes were in this film like the color of his eyes um you mean how brown they were they were like almost yellow at certain points like it felt like to me they just couldn't quite get it right and it looked like he was Anakin Skywalker turning over to the dark side like it, it kind of made Jesus look a little scary to me when I, his eyes were, like, that bright brown.
0: I, I'm i guessing they had to do it. So, like, when, you, when you're when you looking at a face, you want to see the eyes, and I think they had to have it that way, so you're not... When they did the close-ups on him, you're not examining the pain that he's going through. You're yeah. examining him as a person, and every time you looked into his eyes, he really... I mean, he, he does a good job of looking tired, but never, like, distraught from what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Like, he felt like... Every time they did a close up on him, I was like, He's on a mission and that's why, like, when he goes, Why have you forsaken me? I was I asked Jasmine, I was like, He did all that just to get to that point to ask God why God's doing that. Like why everyone why why now? Yeah. You know? But you never would have and that's why I kinda had the issue too, is because like when you're looking at him, you never have that thought of he's like, Oh, like this is bullshit. <laughs> you know <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like and the whole time he's on a mission and then he gets to that point and it's like, now you're feeling like, hey man, what the fuck?
1: Well that's uh that's a line that's pulled from the New Testament, from uh the gospels, and a little bit of it has been lost on me ever since, you know, I haven't like looked at or read the Bible in a minute, but uh it's kinda like I think supposed to be that human side of Jesus coming out, like, yeah. like uh not necessarily like Blaming God, but just sort of like crying out in so much physical pain that it's like almost too much for him. But it's not quite too much for him because if it was too much for him, we'd all be fucked in the afterlife because we wouldn't have had a savior. But uh, you know, that's the plan, and he goes through with it no matter how torturous.
0: Yeah, maybe that was that. That uh, that's a great way of saying it. It was lost on me. I. I,
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm pulling from. Uh, past memories of of studying the bible and and going through uh the sort of system of all that Mm -hmm. so you know working with rusty knowledge over here but it's knowledge nonetheless
0: right no i uh, my biggest problem i had was his black eye i don't know how we got and that thing keep to kept drifting in and out between not black eye and black eye Right, like at some points he looked kind of normal, just you know,
1: covered in blood or whatever, and then like at other points it looked like he got punched seven hundred times by Mike Tyson in that specific eye.
0: That's why I was very. That's what was throwing me off, and I was like, I've, I've been watching this too long, uh, to go back and figure out when this happened, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know. But that, that was about the only one that really threw me off. Um, No, the, uh, I guess I was more distracted with his mom. Like, almost sucking on his toe. Um, kissing his feet. Yeah, that one. Yeah, but she had it. Yeah. And I'm not... It's not like... It, it, I mean, it's obviously acting, so I'm not sitting there saying it did or didn't happen, but uh, she got in there and covered her mouth up with the hands, and I was like, that's a very weird motion. And then she came out, and the blood was on her lips and her, her face, and I was like, I'm guessing she just kind of smothered her... was like kissing his foot, you mm-hmm. know, is saying my son, but... Also, that that threw me off. Yeah. There's a couple things in here, like between the acting and some of the you know, just keeping up with prosthetics, yeah, um, continuity, scene logistics, yeah. Uh,
1: so I want to ask you too before we kind of wrap up this discussion. Uh-huh. It kind of feels like we're getting towards the end of it. Did the torture of it actually affect you? Because I I was a little bit like like gruesomed out from at least like the very first big torture scene where he's like getting like whipped and his skin's getting ripped off and everything but then again i am easily squeamish when it comes to a lot of this stuff so it's not too surprising that it sort of affected me in that way like oh this is ugh, ugh, this is grody this is not pleasant but i was curious if that did anything for you at all
0: not nah, not really i mean kind no. of you know what you're coming up on it's a little like ooh. You know that would hurt. I I was more grossed out by the crow picking almost pecking out the guy's eyeball. Oh really? That. Yeah, it was kind of funny. There was I didn't really ever get squeamish in this thing. I was just kind of sitting there. I was like, all right, we're gonna see a lot of this this happening. I guess I yeah. didn't know where the film was going honestly because I had one flashback at one point and the Roman guy's like, hey, just say tell me that you want to be free and I'll let you go. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, I don't rem- I don't know enough about like what's happening. You know. So as soon as it was like, you're going to get punished. I was like, all right, it's on. So right. I was ready for it. Um, yeah. I, I Like anything. I mean, you just see too much of it. I mean, how much can you sit there? You have to really be invested and in, within the belief of what you're seeing for mm-hmm. it to impact you emotionally. Now, yeah. it's not to say that I didn't have empathy for what was happening. Definitely, like, shit situation, man. I feel bad for you. This is awful. Right. But... Between the acting with how cartoony these people are laughing at him, I'm like, I don't know if that's what it was like. And
1: Right. You know? And I'm the same way. I was pretty, like, disconnected emotionally from what was taking place. It's just that physically seeing somebody get their skin ripped off like that after a while, I was like,
0: okay, uh, uh, that's, that's okay, I get it, no, right? It, I, I understand. <laughs> yeah, you know, because I to me, it's almost like you get desensitized, like... You watch enough people that. get lashing. Like, the first five, it's like, oh, man. And all of a sudden, it's just like, all right, now we're really just lingering here. Like, mm-hmm. I, like it's already kind of taken the effect. Like, the next one, I was just wondering how much he could endure before he would, like, pass out. Because well, I was thinking, like, with pain. Like. I
1: think with me, it's more so, like, I'm just putting myself in the situation of, like, if this were me, like, that 22nd, that 23rd, that 24th lash, it just, you know, it, it would be... Even worse than the one before. I don't. So I'm just thinking about it that
0: way, maybe. I don't. See, that's the other thing, too, is, like, when you start, like, thinking about it like that. Like, I don't know. Because you're going to have so much adrenaline, and your body's going to be going into shock with that much I was say, that's surprising
1: that you didn't pass out from the shock of it. Which... That's
0: why, like, after the fifth one, it's like, all right, like, I don't know how much this hurts. I honestly don't. And I don't right. know if, like, you had a health at bar. At what point
1: do you just lose feeling?
0: <laughs> yeah, like, if you had a health bar at 100, if you're telling me every time, like, you get whipped, one point goes down, I would be like, that's yeah because you're feeling the one before that too it's just one point but like right. if you get to 10 of these things and your health bars at 20 percent, like i think at some point your body's just like taking over and put you with putting you into a sense of like hey we're just going to protect you now uh you should be falling asleep here in a little bit we're gonna have so much adrenaline and, and whatever helps neutralize some of that pain Ser- i don't think it's serotonin but like you know protecting you yeah. like you know it'd be it like what happened to the player that broke his leg and the bone's popping out of his skin? Like, <laughs> like at some point, your body <laughs> pumps in enough of your neurochemicals to say, hey, like, you're just, unless it moves, you're just not going to feel it, because we've, we've sent everything we've got to this one point. You know, and that's how I felt, mm-hmm. like, watching the lashing and watching him carry that, I was wondering how heavy the cross was, because it looked like he was doing it by himself, and then they had to have three guys do it, and I was like, man, after that, like, he's got a lot of strengths, so maybe he did feel all of it, but... At the, at these points when you're going through and questioning all this stuff, you kind of lose sight of what he's actually going through.
1: Yeah, I was more so thinking about like the physical pain of what was happening than I was like the implication of it. Like yeah, what this is supposed to mean for you know people watching the film.
0: Yeah, and I I honestly think that you get more out of it. I if you're really into that, like in the in the, with the I feel like very religious people with every lashing felt it. And every step that he took or fell down or got spit on, they, like, internalized it, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's that's the difference between some of the, the markets or the demographics that you're going with. It's like me, a general audience viewer that is watching a film, you're going to lose a little bit of that sense because at some point I'm just going to get taken out because we've just done this for so long,
1: right? you know uh was there anything else you wanted to talk about this i mean you know there's a lot of technical aspects we didn't really go into it's it, it shot very straightforward the music's
0: kind of whatever all <laughs> no, this thing i mean the i'm not i was talking to jasmine about it too i'm not a big on on set guy yeah and all this is sets so yes um filmed in
1: italy that's something to note
0: yeah and, and the, i don't know the actors i'm curious about who we wrangled for all this right and I also feel like he got a lot of people that didn't want to play in the parts outside of Jesus. Like because you don't want to be associated as Judas. Right. <laughs> like just saying like it's kind of one of those things where the the, the governor of
1: get like, like some Joe Blow to play him and nobody will remember. Yeah, you know. let's
0: get someone that speaks that knows our Ar- Aramaic? Aramic. 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 We'll Aram- get we'll Aramaic. get a bunch of jobbers that know how to speak that and then no one's gonna attach faces. And I don't know if Caviezel took the role because he's a very religious person. Who was
1: struck uh, twice by lightning during the making of this movie, by the way. Really? Yes. Wow, so. that's
0: kind of like <laughs> foreboding, right? Or how do you, it's
1: one of those movie facts that you're like, interesting, you know, you, you when you first like, hear about
0: it. sit there and go, wow... I want the video footage of this.
1: And I guess he had to have like open heart surgery or like two open heart surgeries after this movie, which is like, what what's going on here, man? <laughs> is is, is that's Jesus fun, really that's on a, your
0: side? Yeah, that's a interesting. Oh, you guys are actually... Did he, sell, did he sponsor you this. playing him? Yeah. Yeah, you're selling this. Huh? You want that Academy Award, which I fairly certainly got nominated for in this.
1: Um... Let me see. Wikipedia will tell me right off the get. So it received three nominations. Uh, best makeup, best cinematography, and best original best score. Best cinematography? Which I don't know how it did that. Because this movie is shot like a uh, borderline Hallmark movie at points.
0: Oh, dude. I We were watching this thing. I was like, this is so... Uh. It's so straightforward and bland. <laughs> well, and the story isn't keeping you in it. So let, let's get some... I'm curious. There's a couple fun shots of the upside-down camera from his POV that right. i hadn't seen before and i was like That's... that was like
1: the most noteworthy thing too yeah, yeah. i remember that
0: and i was like all right, all right this is kind of and then the slow
1: otherwise i just remember like the weird slow frame rate slow-mo, and then like the like what looked like an evanescence music video at the beginning with like him in the <laughs> wilderness where it's all blue and drab and uh i'm I, like, like okay well the, uh, you know this movie's not going to look great <laughs> it
0: starts out i'm like is this this is after the dinner right i'm guessing that he's getting captured like or is this, Are these people dead? Right. You know, I was like, I don't know what 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 we're going with here, and I was like, I really hope that they don't just thrust us into this story.
1: Like Jesus is in the same forest as like fucking Blair Witch Project. <laughs> he, gets,
0: he fucking he just he wakes up Peter, and obviously he's awake. He's like, oh, thank God, and then he runs into Lucifer, and thank God, literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank, yeah. Um. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. But. There, um, there are some good there are some good uh, pieces of wisdom in here, or some of the passages that come along with what he said. And one of the ones that I did like was, uh, um, you'll have friends, you'll have enemies, you'll love your friends, you'll hate your enemies, but you know what is love if you only love your friends? Where, where's the reward in just loving that because you know what the you know what mm-hmm. you're getting? Yeah, and so it's more important to love your enemies. And it was one of the ones that I. Not a lot from this movie gets taken away in terms of like, oh man, how could I apply that? To Forgiveness
1: daily... is a big, not only Christian thing, but like within this movie too.
0: Well, and yes, they talk about they don't know what they're doing. They they've made a mistake. Don't you know? Don't don't um, cast any evil on them or do any wrong to them because they they know not know of which they do. Yeah. Uh, but I thought the loving your enemy. I mean, it's not necessarily that he thought of him as enemies. You I mean anyone could be an enemy you Mm -hmm. know and and i really i thought that that was a good good little sermon that was post upon us
1: yeah there's some like you know obviously genuine lessons to take from it Mm -hmm. that are sewn in there just naturally from it being a christian catholic perspective
0: i would have loved more of that yeah like imagine that gets thrown in there a little bit sooner on woven
1: in into an actual narrative yeah would have been cool but you know We got what we got. We did. Uh, Let's get into ratings. You are up first, I think.
0: I don't know. I'm. I. I think this is. uh, IDK out of ten. It. It's like I feel feel pressured into rating it one star higher. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, you're gonna feel shame
1: if you don't rate it a perfect score. I got this
0: a six out of ten. Um, like I said, I mean, there's just unless you're really. To me, this is a fo- like a if I was into a football movie and I was like, Kyle, like this is the movie of like how it is to be a coach and showed it to you. And you're like, Yeah, man, I just don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would have been like looking at you, like, Are you fucking nuts? This is impeccable. How fucking dare you? Yeah, this is the football movie. It's like, All right, cool. Have you met me? Yeah, that's <laughs> do you know who I am? Awesome. And not to, and you know, I mean here we are comparing football to God, but um yeah, so I it was lost. I mean there's some there's some a couple of interesting things going on, but at the end of the day this lingers on so much and for I think you just gotta be part of that world a little bit more so than myself to really get a lot more out of it because
1: uh, I I agree. Yeah.
0: You, you take a casual view, viewing member that is a little bit knows little bit about religion and christianity and you thrust them into that they're probably gonna have the same outtake as like okay yeah that it was bad and i agree with all that but i i don't know why that was two hours long
1: they're they're gonna have the same reaction that we did where it's like okay and that's that's where it ends uh i agree with you uh this one's a five out of ten for me Mm. it's one of those where i recognize that It is doing exactly what the filmmaker intended, exactly what they wanted to do for this movie. Yeah. It's not for me. It's not a film that I get what I want out of watching movies like this. Something where this. Well, like (laughs) what other
0: religious movies you got under your belt? Well, I, I have a surprising amount like just from Kyle started me very solemnly and seriously.
1: I'm not joking. (laughs) I I have a surprising amount of really (laughs) shitty horror or not horror movies, religious movies might as well be horror movies because of how (laughs) horrible they are. A.O. Um, no, this is like, you know, uh, just a couple of steps above something that's like, you know, God's not dead or like that is just like a complete pile of shit. This is like, it's got some merit to it. It's got something going for it. But at the end of the day, it's still more concerned with preaching to you and showing you like, oh, this is how you should feel when watching this movie, than showing you an actual narrative experience. So that's yes. where my score five out of 10 lies. It's there just right down the middle.
0: Would have been, I think it would have been way higher if there was more context involved.
1: I really do. I think that this movie. Help people not familiar that much with it. Like, you know, guide them through a narrative experience so they can at least understand what. Imagine
0: the the context is. Built up to the point where he's walking through the streets. You take out the 40 minutes of that Mm -hmm. and you have 40 minutes of exposition going on. And all of a sudden, there's a lot of like, oh, fuck. Like, are you serious? This guy that's done all this good, but you need to know about it. But Mm -hmm. um, we did. Not maybe shit on the movie the whole time, but um costume design and the production I mean looks yes. pretty pretty good and and cinematography, as much as we say, is straightforward um they didn't do anything that was daring uh that really would take you out of the film right you know they do a good job of, of it staying, was consistent, yes, and staying on the character and really feel like you're walking through the streets with them, which is probably what the goal was um one
1: hundred percent, yeah, yeah. I agree with you on the the costumes and the production design. Yeah. Yeah, very uh, immersive, I yes. guess you could say.
0: Yeah, it looked good. I mean, the sets were okay. I don't know. the. W- oh, um, no. The weird thing, did you notice Judas when sniffing his robe and sniffing the brick? I don't remember that scene all that well. Go through and check it out, because I feel like they were like, you know, Dusty from Twister. If you're like, hey, you only get six lines of dialogue, do what you can. Mm-hmm. And then you know, dirty Philip Seymour Hoffman knocks it out of the park. We're like, we got to add more. Like, I feel like that's what that guy was going for. And it's a very weird, weird, uh, image watching him do that. Yeah. It looked like he was doing like a rail of Coke off a brick and then off his sleeve. And I don't know if he was trying to cry or I don't, I honestly have no idea. They were talking through him about why Jesus had to get prosecuted and Judas was going back on it Mm -hmm. and started doing that weird thing. And the that that's probably the number one thing that i'll remember about this film
1: yeah that's weird because that's like the number one thing i don't remember about the movie at all (laughs) you ever get a chance just do the five
0: just type in on youtube like judas sniffing his robe and you'll see it and it's very bizarre
1: interesting that'll be an interesting uh search result in my history there (laughs) um so uh speaking of history this show has a history of posing a question for the audience. Oh. And, uh, you know, we got some answers for our question for you guys. And uh, the question this week is, what is an opinion from one or both of the hosts you disagree with? Either a movie that we enjoy that you maybe necessarily didn't like, or a movie that we kind of dunked on, but you feel the need to defend. And uh, we got three answers uh, you know, from different people. Okay, and uh, we can go over those right now. Yeah, uh, the first one comes from Gideon, our uh, music guy, and he says musicals ain't bad, and that's all he said. <laughs> and uh, this is probably stemming from the fact that I have mentioned multiple times that musicals are my least favorite genre of movie. But uh, you know, I don't think all musicals are bad. I'm not going to generalize. I'm not going to. I'm not going to stereotype a whole genre of movie
0: kind of feels like you are
1: well uh let me name off some musicals that i do enjoy
0: whoa uh tick Chance. tick
1: boom the lion king uh it's not a mu- is that it's a musical it's technically a musical it's got by some who? songs in it by wikipedia <laughs> i think if you search it up and Jason's gonna love hearing that uh what other musicals do i like i like greece yeah Uh, well enough grease is fun grease lightning oh grease lightning i like yeah and uh is there any others maybe i'm not thinking of mac maybe you can help a brother what what's your opinion on musicals bad or good neutral no dog in the fight um what's going on behind those i used to be bad i used to
0: be bad because i think and this isn't and I will say for you, musicals are nails on a chalkboard because you actually appreciate the story and the production behind it and the characters that go involved with the growth of the characters through dialogue and through motives, right? Musicals, I try to. It, I feel like they generally strip that away uh, through song and mm, dance. That
1: is usually my reasoning for why I don't gravitate towards musicals. Right.
0: And I will say musicals on a production level are usually uh, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um there's another one, and I don't know if La La Land would constitute as a musical. I haven't seen that
1: one yet. Yeah,
0: Damien uh, Chazelle. So, Chazelle?
1: Anyways. Damien Chazelle.
0: Yeah. Um, I I And that's why I used to be that way. I used to think it was an easy easy genre to pick on. So, no, I don't have a dog in the fight because I've come to respect uh, and understand that what they're gearing towards uh, or trying to accomplish is different than a straight narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, I probably would be the last, if you were to give me like, Hey, here's five genres to pick from musicals, probably the last one that I'm going to be like, well, let's dip into this basket. Um, I don't, they just, they don't fascinate me and they don't drive my attention long enough.
1: You know, what's weird. And this is a trend that I've noticed is, uh, there are more like air quotes, musicals coming out that aren't being marketed as musicals so like there's a new mean girls movie coming out that is supposedly a musical the trailer played for one of the movies i saw in theaters i don't remember which film but it the trailer made it look like it was just going to be a straightforward remake of the movie mean girls like it had no like songs or like no element of it being a musical whatsoever except for like a little tiny note design in the logo of the title mean girls and that's it that's all you get and so there's like a weird thing where like movies are being marketed now but they're hiding the fact that they're musicals it's association is that is that what is going on there like oh if we know this is a musical we're not going to get people in it to see it in theaters? I
0: think musicals have to... Ultimately, at the end of the day, to me, it comes down to these production companies wanting to get their cash cows. You market it as musical, comes out as you only hit a certain demographic, certain market. You come out and try to pose it as a straight-line narrative with musical elements, more people may be willing to see it. There's a larger, probably, market within our age group that would watch a Mean Girls movie as opposed to a Mean Girls musical movie. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also know that if I'm just being the general audience member and musicals going to be the fifth bucket that I dip from, if I go to a theater one day with $20 in my pocket and I get to pick any movie, if I know Mean Girls is a musical, probably not going to see that one. Right. Not sure about it because there's no association with it being a musical. Same with
1: uh, The Color Purple, the new Steven uh, Spielberg movie coming out. Yeah, well, yeah.
0: I haven't seen the original and I also but that, that story doesn't speak to me so I don't that's why I probably just don't have any interest musical or not
1: yeah uh, there's also just more musicals being made now for like properties that weren't necessarily before like the Joker movie we mentioned is going to be a musical uh, Jack <laughs> Black came out with a comment saying that he wants the next Mario sequel to be a musical yeah. which is you know they can why be,
0: I think I think not a
1: fan of that trend,
0: but they can be fantastical or whimsical. I mean, they they and like I said, the production that usually goes into them and the choreography that goes into it, or even if it's animated, Mm. they can make it really fun. Yeah, they can make it fun,
1: and when there's like effort behind it, is when I respect it the most. Yes, like uh, you know, Lion King is a air quotes musical whether you want to classify it that or not there are song and choreographed moments in it that are animated really excitingly yes like they draw your attention to the screen a movie like dear evan hansen which is a live action musical is fucking lame because there's no like real choreography to it the songs aren't memorable at all and it's just a lame piece of shit movie on its own anyway
0: yeah and that's why i think some of it if you can distinguish between Hey, we're trying to pluck the 20 million that we can for this movie versus like we want to make something that we're actually inspired by. Like, I think, I think La La Land, like Chazelle's definitely inspired and had a good story in line for it and knew what he wanted to do with it. So, I think that's why you probably get a higher production value and a higher, more people seeing it. Uh, versus,
1: yeah, still got to check that one out. Yeah. Versus, uh, didn't mean to cut you off
0: no i'm just dear evan hansen like i yeah you know that there's and that's what i'm saying and i think that there's a very i don't want to say niche niche kind of sounds bad but there's a smaller market of people that are probably going to walk into theaters and because at the end of the day people want to see action entertainment if it's on the big screen you want to be wowed yeah and you know i don't know if the musical stuff wows people i will say i've been watching dancing with the stars with jasmine oh that's pretty epic yeah, more so, and it, there's a lot more respect that goes into it, especially when you see the good dancers versus the bad dancers. Yeah. It's a very good, uh, hey, let's let's put your average Joe in the 100-yard dash versus Usain Bolt, and you can actually see how fast it's he moves.
1: Im- it's impressive to me how strenuous it can be. Because you watch a movie like uh, Gaspar Noé's Climax, where they're, like, dancing the entire time. It's like, oh, that's, like, hard fucking work. Yeah. You know, that's a movie that's, you know, not a musical at all, but still there's, like, choreography to it. Yeah. There's there's strenuous amounts of, like, physical performance that you're like, holy shit, this is impressive.
0: I mean, John Wick is a dance. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I mean,
1: it's... They have to practice choreography. It's just a different kind.
0: Yeah. That's, what, that's where my respect's grown for it, but...
1: Mm-hmm um 100
0: and the the song the song's got to really jive too you know the get... song's
1: got to stick in my head yeah. i think that's what helps constitute a good musical for me is if i still can remember the songs yeah from the music like i don't remember any song from dear evan hansen but no. i can remember a couple songs from tick tick boom i can remember a couple songs from uh uh you know obviously the lion king uh, you know, just things like that where, like, oh, they stick in my head, therefore that's a positive aspect of that movie.
0: Yes. And I think it's hard, definitely harder if you're not passionate about what you're writing, because it's hard enough just to write a film. It's probably even harder to come up with a song for the film that makes sense within the film. Right. And it's catchy.
1: Exactly. Our next one comes from Levi, Gideon's brother, past and future guest. Uh, he said, I liked Polar. It was weird and fun.
0: Oh, no, that's
1: all you. That is an interesting take. Uh, go easy on him. I'm gonna, I'm not going to go, like, super hard into him. Uh, I'm glad that you thought it was fun. I agree with you that it's weird. It's a weird film uh, because it's trying to balance a more, like, serious tone of a kind of, like, brooding, edgy hitman story and narrative and with some goofy ass like quentin tarantino wannabe shit that's happening with the young assassins in the movie that just completely butts heads with itself in the entire film i i do not like that movie (laughs) i hate it so much it's that's a movie where like i didn't have that high of hopes going into it but i was certainly not expecting it to be like real stinky you know and to be fair you're watching the movie there's like a couple of okay scenes in it with like mads mickelson doing action you know piper's so desperately wanting me to not talk about this movie because she feels the same way i do um <laughs> but man i'm glad you like it uh that is a movie i cannot get behind as evidenced by my 20 minute review that i made <laughs> Yeah, spending time ripping into that movie uh yeah, I don't know. I can never ever see myself watching it again, but I would love to uh, have you on Levi to explain what you like about this movie, because I'm curious. I'm really curious. Uh, you saw that
0: and you were like, "Wow!"
1: I saw it and I was like, "This is like this is nothing compared to something like the Raid or John Wick or uh, you know Bullet Train or like any other like Hitman action movie that you know came before it." And I, I just did not care for it. It was sloppy is the word I would use to describe that movie. Sloppy and yep. looks like it smells like cheese.
0: That went straight to... D, or that was Netflix. Straight to Netflix?
1: Straight to Netflix thing. Based on a uh, graphic novel, Okay, I guess. Sort of kind of similar to The Killer if, uh, you know, The Killer was shitty, but... <laughs> Uh, I guess the graphic novel is like pretty decent and well regarded. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been adapted, probably. Right. But uh, just one of those things where, like, man, they had the formula for something that could have been unique and cool, but they chose to go about it in like a very annoying and generic way. And that's that's one of the things too that bothers me about the movie is that a lot of the characters are just really annoying. Specifically, uh, Matt Lucas, who plays the villain, yeah. is insufferable. And it's one of those things where, like, I can tell usually when movie villains are supposed to be purposefully insufferable or if they're just, like, happen to be annoying. And this guy very much feels like he just happens to be annoying.
0: Which is never good.
1: Yeah. I, I just, yeah, I don't want to talk about this movie anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but thank you for your answer, Levi. We appreciate it. Next time we have you on, we'll have to uh, ask you about Polar. I'm Very yeah. curious. Uh, are, Which means
0: I will have to see it.
1: Uh that, mm, that could, I would be very curious what you think of it. Uh, <laughs> not that I would subject you to it, mind you. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I would never choose to put you through that. Uh, much like uh, putting Jesus through the the passion.
0: I don't. Yeah, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I don't. I'm not subscribing to that one
1: i'm not comparing myself to jesus yeah not at all even though our birthdays are very close um our last one comes from brennan and this is again more targeted towards me wait
0: when were you born on the 24th
1: 1994
0: no not not, what what time uh
1: 149 p.m okay so so you
0: were like in the you were when they were doing their last supper dialogue about what they were bringing to the table
1: yeah 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 okay so
0: you weren't you weren't
1: like into the night Sun was at its apex you know
0: yeah yeah i don't know when they Still ate that film, bright. but it said last 12 hours so we're we're at zero 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 on the 25th mm-hmm. or when did he die i don't know when he died on christmas
1: well he didn't die on, he died on easter he was born oh on that's right that's yeah. right yeah. yeah 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 that's why we have uh, the easter bunny it's because jesus died
0: <laughs> <laughs> remember when i said i just <laughs> needed more context with that film
1: you're not <laughs> wrong <laughs> I I agree with you 100%. Uh, Our last one comes from Brennan, and he says, Kyle's take on Uncut Gems being Adam Sandler's best overall movie. One may consider it ludicrous. See the uh,
0: one that didn't like Uncut Gems because of the stress? I don't know if it was
1: that necessarily, because it's been a while since I've seen Brennan. Uh, But it was one of those where... I used to work with him. He was a coworker and I talked to him in person about it. This was around the time that uncut gems was coming out and uh, I had seen it in theaters and I was like, that is Adam Sandler's best movie. And he's like, "Nah, dude, his best movies Ups, man. And I'm like, okay, That's another bad take. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Brennan. But it's like one of those things where like, I think he was kind of playing it up to meme on me. Like he actually saw uncut gems and he was like, I saw uncut gems still not as good as grown-ups or uh, you know jack and jill blah 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 i'm like okay i see what you're doing here you're gaslighting the hell out of me and i will not have it my friend yeah so uh you know even if we take his comment at face value uncut gems is still adam sandler's best movie in my opinion
0: i would, i agree with that i mean i don't i think i'd have a harder time finding at least at, like
1: role worthy some people, and I haven't seen this movie yet, but some people really like Punch Drunk
0: Love, and oh. they say that's their oh. favorite. Um, yeah, still but need to check that one out. You, you'd probably, you you'd probably like a little bit of the character, and there is some artistic form that goes on with with time elements in terms of do, emotional outbursts, or mm-hmm. you know, just going through any sort of either rage and fitting it in with time, and and the crescendos that actually feel very natural uh it doesn't
1: feel like a shtick it doesn't feel like it's from like one of his comedy movies no
0: he plays but you got to think too i mean he plays his his role to me at least he plays a very straight man and um he has he does a good job acting like it's it's one it i'd have to see it again um probably to appreciate a little bit more of it. Mm -hmm. He does a very good job in it. I'll say that. And a lot of what he does is very natural and feels appropriate. Yeah. Um, But it's, to me, it's another one of you're only operating within your six by six foot room. Yeah. So it's
1: uncut gems he's like a totally different person
0: yeah like there's he could have fucked that up is what i think mm-hmm. like it wasn't it's not necessarily like he got handed the role of a life there's him. a
1: version of that character where like because it's adam sandler playing it it's too goofy and unbelievable yeah he he does Like it would take you out of the film
0: yes he does things where he hits you with like a water boy line or something like that where it's like okay like you're dipping into the 90s a little too much sam man right you know. He did a really good job with that, but there was way more room for him to mess that thing up, and he nailed it, whereas Punch Drunk Love, I feel like you're on the tightrope, stick on the tightrope, you'll get to your destination, and about the only way you do it is if you fall off the mm-hmm. tightrope, you know, like, there's not, yeah there's not too much wiggle room for you to stray off the beaten path.
1: Same sort of thing with, uh, and I really like him in this movie, uh, the Meyerwitz stories, Yeah, where he's playing, like, you know, kind of what you were describing from Punch Drunk Love, where it's like not too unbelievably out of his wheelhouse, kind of like in a safer sort of boxed in area, but he still does it really well. Yeah. And it's different enough from like the stupid schlock that he usually does that it stands out enough.
0: But he plays more of the straight man in that versus like his whole family, doesn't he? But, yeah,
1: well, he's he's got his own like quirks, cause like Ben Stiller plays his brother, right? And they each kind of like play a different version of the straight man, but it's nuanced enough to where like okay, they they have like a weird amount of conflict, but then there's also like brotherly love there, and it's played really well off of each other. I mean, I, I also think that that's just a good Ben Stiller movie too.
0: I have watched I watched that one once. Um, yeah, like right when it came out to Netflix, I I threw it on there, so I don't remember too much of it. I remember he didn't. I like I like Sandler that reigns it in a lot more than I do uh, when he gets a little too goofy when he's that's, like oh dude that's a Sandler eight crazy nights man like I had that on and I was like this movie is dragging oh yeah he's real animated in that film and it's like eighty five minutes <laughs> like, I was <laughs> like this is like peak Sandler isn't that movie a musical too. Isn't there, like, song moments in it? There there are. There's probably about... From what I remember. There's a handful. I mean, I don't know what constitutes at that point. He, like, it,
1: sings in the movie?
0: He does. <laughs> I mean, that's... I'm telling you, like, to me, I'm fairly certain it's Peak Sandler, where it's like, you've got all of his content that are hitting on the right notes. Yeah. You know? For
1: people who love that type of movie.
0: Yeah, but it's definitely, like some of adam sandler's stuff is like outdated like i think billy some of it (laughs) well i like i'll tell you right now billy or uh happy gilmore it's it's silly it's stupid and maybe it's because i quoted so much but i feel like that one is one that you can still get that's one of his like
1: better ones
0: the water boy to me is one that holds up i mean where it's i have such a
1: hard time with water boy
0: but you got it fits in a certain arena you know like the the golfing arena so there's enough jokes in there that play off of how everyone feels football same way enough jokes in there where you can kind of see where he's deriving it Billy Madison is a mentally challenged grown-up trying to get win first grade prize like does not hold up yeah. <laughs> you know like and that's <laughs> Like, some of his, like, earlier stuff with his musical stuff is like, oh, yeah, that was really funny in the 90s. Right. It's like your dad, like, you know, a dad coming through and being like, oh, man, you really want to watch a funny movie? Watch Monty Python on the Holy Grail. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I'm sure back when there wasn't social media and you could just put on YouTube and get a good laugh, like, that was really funny, but now there's... Humor's changed so much. That's a
1: movie that, like, I struggle to get into. Monty Python? Yeah. I've seen it, like, a couple times, and it's like, it's just not for me. Like, I get it. I get what it's going for, but, like, I, I just can't connect with it in the same way of, like, another comedy that I'm more attached to, you know?
0: Dude my when my dad was like you want to watch a funny film watch like Larry and Dave meet Frankenstein or whatever but Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein mm-hmm. he's like you'll laugh your pants off and i just stared at him i'm like you'll laugh your pants you're off you're talking <laughs> about a comedy from the 50s mm-hmm. like god knows how much of that i will find humorous at all. Right. <laughs> like you know we've seen it a, a lot very of very slim chance yeah like and that's just how that's how humor develops so Anyways, uncut gems. I thought it was Roll. Yeah, yes. I don't know if I've seen.
1: I agree. Suck on that, Brennan. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. We love you. I'm glad. I'm glad you still uh, listen and interact. I haven't uh, hit you up in a while. I'll have to reach back out. Uh, see how you're doing, you young whippersnapper. There you go. It's that time of year. I'm almost thirty. Checking in on our people. Um. <laughs> almost so thirty. That was <laughs> that was the uh, last of our. A uh, question for the audience. Thank you very much for interacting with that. You guys are awesome. One more bit of business before we wrap up. Yes. Mac gets to make the first recommendation oh. for 2024. Take it away.
0: I'm so torn with what I want to do. Because there's a, there's a movie that I have to see. And then there's a movie coming out.
1: What one's coming out that you're leaning towards?
0: Maestro. Okay. Um, we, Maest-
1: can, we can talk about Maestro.
0: Yeah. So you don't want to. So is that the one that I got to go with? Well, uh, what other ones were you
1: thinking of potentially? There's just
0: only one other one. It's the kick off the new year. Okay. I haven't seen it yet, and it's probably blasphemy that I haven't seen it yet. But I also don't know how heavy we could. Ta- taxi driver.
1: Yo. Like okay. Like
0: we're kicking off, and I'm sitting here. You're hitting me with Taxi like, Driver. Wow. Like, do we do? I was. I'm sitting there looking at it. The list that I have is very unique to myself, and I don't know why I have some of the films on there, so I haven't found a good one, uh-huh. and I saw Taxi Driver, and I'm like, oh, kick off the new year, new us, we got the pod going, like, hey, do we lean that way? But then I saw the ad for, is it Maestro or Maestro? Maestro. Maestro, mm-hmm. okay. Saw that one today, and I was like, oh, Bradley Cooper, this looks intriguing, probably a little bit vanilla, but I loved him in A Star is Born, and... I'm sure he's going to knock this one out of the park, So, um, and it's relevant.
1: Right. It's a newer movie. So, so do you want to do Maestro and then your recommendation of Taxi Driver?
0: Pair those two up? Yeah, why not? Sure. Okay. Let's do that. That way we can see something that's a little bit relevant, and if you want to hear us talk about Taxi Driver, because I know you've been probably Sam's giving me a lot of shit for not seeing it, too. And I've I've just stared at it. Yeah, because like, You've never seen it before. That yeah, I've seen it in bits oh. and pieces. I've seen you know how you saw Gladiator on TNT? Yeah. I saw bits and pieces of Taxi Driver. Like I've seen the wow. same scene five times.
1: You saw like the diluted version of I didn't
0: watch the whole thing. I'm Taxi just, Driver. I happen to tune into this thing <laughs> when they're going through the political campaigning and he's kind of like losing his screws a little bit. Right. And he's going to ask her out. I've seen that scene three or four times and I've seen the uh, Scorsese scene twice. Okay. That's as much as I've really seen of it, and I think I may have seen the end of it inadvertently. I don't remember. I'll know it's, when I'm watching. It's right. one of those
1: scenes that's like sometimes hard to avoid just because it's so referenced. Scorsese's
0: a lot. thing. Well, like, the no ending. the the ending. Right. That and that's why I don't I don't know. I, there there it could just be another. It could be three quarters of the film. I know that it was further along in the film mm-hmm. than where it, what I've seen before. I just don't know what part.
1: Right. Uh, That might be interesting. We might be able to get a guest for that one. Speaking Uh, of
0: guests, too, Yes, I know another guest that wants to get on to do Uh, Spider-Man.
1: Should I guess who that guest is? You could probably guess who that guest is. Uh, Is it Sam? Sam. Yeah, I figured. I figured it was probably Sam. He's hankering. Raimi,
0: Spider-Man, I'm assuming. All three of them. Okay. And he wants to do that. He wants to do the trilogy because he's got his own thoughts. and I, That w- that sounds super fucking fun, honestly. Yes. Having Sam on for
1: that, I'm totally down 100%. Yeah, because
0: that's a little bit different than The Godfather, but we get some unique insights.
1: That would be awesome. Yes. So, uh, cool. Episode 62 will be Maestro and Taxi Driver. Yeah. Cool. I, I was going to check out Maestro anyway, probably, so... Uh, that lines up really well for me
0: literally just saw it today and I was like this looks very intriguing
1: uh and I you know like I said before possibility of maybe someone interested in being a guest for next episode I'm okay. not gonna confirm it right now I'd okay. have to I'd have to talk to them but uh yeah cool if you guys don't want to be spoiled for maestro and taxi driver martin Scorsese be sure to check those films out before episode 62 ooh we appreciate you guys listening to us. You can find us on NeonCrewPodcast.com. We're also on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Give us some good ratings on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Check out uh, the Etsy merch page uh, if you want some good Christmas stuff. It's, you know... Even though when you listen to this, it'll at the soonest be Christmas Eve, but maybe you can get it in. Uh, you know, late before gift. New you Year. have holiday
0: parties that pop up late. People do stuff on the third and fourth.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. There's some. There's still some celebrations going on, is what I'm saying. So why let the gift giving die out on Christmas?
0: Uh, a, a gift is old as time.
1: Exactly. Just like the Bible. Just like Passion of the Christ. Um, I also want to. Uh, and I think I'm going to do this from now on at the end of the episodes. I'm going to give a shout out to uh, you know some of the people that uh help make us who we are. So I'm going to give a shout out to Gideon for doing our music mm-hmm. and to Lauren for doing our logo design. Yeah. So shout out to those two. Uh, I'm going to uh, shout them out uh, from now on at the end of the episodes or at least try to remember to.
0: You got and we got to get you got to get a peel box. You guys start you guys send us some stuff. We'll shout you out.
1: Yeah, right? Uh, send music us some or- stuff.
0: <laughs> Art or preferably not food.
1: Yeah, because that, I mean, Music, the sentiment will be nice, but it yeah. will be very stinky when we or open the box. movies.
0: Send us a movie that we have to watch, and we'll do it on the next one. That's an interesting idea. Right? If they sent us a DVD and said, this is the movie I want you guys to watch. We'd have to throw it in there. Or at least pick a time within the next two or three episodes to do it.
1: Right. Squeeze it in somewhere. Yeah. Uh, You can find Gideon's music on YouTube under the name Wake, Rise, Fall. Nice. And then you can also find Lauren's artwork on her Instagram, uh, Pine and Son.
0: Instagram Pine and Son? Yep. I'm going to have to. Yeah, that's a follow.
1: Yes. Uh, there's also links to their pages, uh, underneath the, uh, description of this episode. So Very nice. you will not have to like search it up too hard to, uh, find what you're looking for. If you're interested in what they have to offer, uh, Mac, was there anything else that we need to do before we wrap up? WWTHD. Bye everyone.